The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. Oh, yeah! This is the Cigar Authority. Have uh, you any imported cigars? The authority on everything cigar, in and out of the cigar industry. We're on a mission from God. With your host... A jelly donut! David Garofalo. How did it get here? Mr. Jonathan. I hear you. And I care. Barry Stein. I can use my spare glove compartment underwear as a napkin. And Ed Sullivan. They don't have a listing for Mr. Wonderful. What uh, spelling did you use? It's time to light them up. Smoke if you got them. It's time for the Cigar Authority. I got a fever. And the only prescription is more cowbell. Light them up, light them up, light them up, everybody. Saturday, July 21, 2018. Broadcasting live from the Studio 21 podcast cafe and today i'm back from the biggest cigar event of the year i spent too much money i ate too much there was a virus a fire a flood and some thought it was optimistic we're going to welcome to the show john mctavish from canada who will share his views with me of the 2018 ipcpr and you're listening to the cigar authority now in its ninth year making it the longest continually running cigar podcast awarded the ambassadors of cigars by cigar journal magazine Awarded the top 10 educational podcast by Podbean four years in a row, the Cigar Authority is the most listened to cigar podcast in the world. Cigar Radio at its finest, the Cigar Authority is a proud member of the United Podcast Network. Catch the podcast on demand at any time or our daily blog on thecigarauthority.com. I did it better. Yeah, I heard you do it. I heard you do it. Let's welcome, um, they, they call him the Conscious Canadian along with other things, even different last names. But right now it's John McTavish from Canada. Can you hear us loud and clear? I sure can, Dave, and thanks very much for having me on the show. It's a surreal experience to be on this side of the speakers. Right, right, right. So you've been uh, in the cigar business on all different aspects. You uh, start as a consumer, then you are blogging and doing uh, podcasts. And was this your first show on the other end of actually buying cigars? Uh, I did a little bit of it last year. Okay. Um, so, you know, I'm sure as you were well aware, Dave, I must be insane to try and wear two hats to the show because it's hard enough as a retailer to wear that one hat to, sure. to try and do it as media is. I don't know what's wrong with me. I need to get my head checked. I was going to ask you to do the same. Uh, John, <laughs> I want to address the elephant in the room. Uh, we have to talk seem- about Barry because he's right there. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm right here. You seem to have changed your last name in record time. <laughs> I'm wondering if you could offer one of our panelists here some advice on how to do it and do it quickly. Sure, absolutely. I think the the key is not to have any prior convictions. So number oh. one, when you're fingerprinting, now, you know, now, now no it's all out in public. Uh, number two, it's very helpful to leave a hundred dollar bill on the table uh-huh. and turn your back to the hundred dollar bill on the table. All right. You know, never hurts. Should uh, he have but no, mushroom was, stamped instead of fingerprinting? Pardon me. <laughs> Should he have mushroom stamped instead of fingerprinting? Because I <laughs> think that may whatever whatever you can do. Oh, all right. So why'd you do it? Why'd you change your name? So the, I'll give you the short answer because I don't want to bore the listeners, but the short answer is that uh, my last name, Reiner, came from my stepfather. Uh, he and my mom have been divorced for a very long period of time, and I'm getting remarried uh, because I didn't learn the first time. And uh, I thought, you know, I want to change my – if she's going to take on my last name, I want to go back to my family name, and my family uh-huh. name is McTavish because we're, we're super Scottish, so – uh, little did I know how painful, and Barry can certainly attest to how painful and, and labor-intensive the process is. Yeah, well, it's labor-intensive for you because you actually did it. He hasn't done a damn thing. <laughs> no, I gave up. 
You, you've officially given I've up. I've officially given up. I'm honestly considering changing my name to Mr. Jonathan so it shows up on my license, and I can think I can get it done in under a month, and then I'll change it back. In two months, I'll have changed my name twice, and you won't have done it in two years. Good luck. You don't know what your last name is, though, do you? Do you know what your real last name is? Stein. Stein. <laughs> Is that your real no, last name? No, my, my, my adaptive name is Scottish or Irish. But you don't know what it is. Yeah, I'd just rather not say at this right. point. Go with McTavish. There you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and you guys can be related. Absolutely. Okay. Um, so um, I saw you at the show, and I wanted you to smoke along with us, so you should have um, the 2283. I sure do. Do you have that? So you've, you've heard the show before, right? You've heard this show? Absolutely. Long time, first time. Okay. So... You know, we maybe do it different than other people. That we, we are those stupid people that say we taste these things because we do. Uh, some of the things Jonathan says I don't know about, but actually sometimes I think he nails it. So we'll see how he plays along. So, uh, Barry, what is this cigar? Yep. So today's first cigar is 22 North by 83 West, and it's manufactured in Honduras by Jay Fuego. The size that we're smoking is the Epicure, which measures 4 and 7 eighths by 49. It features a Brazilian Corojo wrapper. Costa Rican Corojo binder, and fillers consisting of Nicaraguan Corojo, Honduran Corojo, and Dominican Corojo. It's part of the Cigar Authority care package for the month of July, and a single cigar price is $6.49, where a box of 20 is only $109.99, which is a savings of almost $20 or 15% off the signal price at twoguyscigars.com. If you're too far away from a brick-and-mortar retailer that carries it, try twoguyscigars.com. <clears throat> That's the number two, GuysCigars.com. So we're looking at a five-tobacco blend, all Corojo seed grown between his father and his uncle, who were the original people, along with the Aroa family, in El Corojo, Cuba. They take the seeds. The Aroas do it in Honduras only, and the Fuego family have done it in five different countries. They have certainly sown their seed in many countries. Okay, so right now it's the official time to cut a cigar. The official cutting brought to you by Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand. While all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. Excellence. And a big congratulations going out to Natalie Perdomo. I don't know if you caught I, that. I saw that this morning. Who is getting married. So isn't that awesome? Her brother got married 50 days ago. About. And uh, I went to my crystal ball at the table and I said, she's next and it's going to be fast. But I figured first of the year maybe, mm. but it was really fast. And that's a, a smart man that because uh, she's a catch and a half. Uh, beautiful, smart, and... Probably financially doing good stuff. <laughs> <So, laughs> yeah. I think she's got it all. So congratulations. She's a good, good girl. And um, I'm very happy for her. So, uh, okay, Mr. Jonathan, give it a cold draw taste before we light it up. Wheat and sunflower seeds. Your name's not Mr. Jonathan no, but Dinkus. I, but I didn't want you to look bad by being wrong. There's a slight musty component that's probably coming from the Dominican tobacco. Very subtle barnyard. No wheat whatsoever. What was the other thing you said? Sunflower, Sunflower seeds. <laughs> yeah, that's wrong too. <laughs> so, John, help us out here. How crazy are we? Uh, I, I like to get crazy just to um, make the manufacturers crazy with all the notes you taste, but I have to agree with the barnyard, and I'm also getting a little bit of sweet hay out of the, uh, the cold draw. All right. Hay, hay and wheat, very similar. 
You're very similar yeah, to hay and wheat. All right. This, uh, <laughs> th this lighter resembles me. What do we have here? Well, we have uh, the Big Buddha yeah. by Vertigo. This is just about the biggest ass tank of the big ass tanks. It's massive. And this massive tank is fueling four jets. You've got on the backside a flip-out bullet punch and easy adjustment at the bottom. This is the Vertigo Buddha. It retails for $39.99. I think it's safe to say this has the big fat ass tank. Right. So if you saw the videos, the uh, yes. guy screwed up the line <laughs> and he was calling it a fat ass tank. So <laughs> officially, it is not the... It's not true. Because the people at the company don't even know it. So not you got the wrong guy. That's what you did. You didn't do like I did and go find the guy that came up with the, the big ass. I tank found line. him. He's sitting right beside me. <laughs> <laughs> That's who that guy is. But anyway, yeah. But, you, but you, you did pick up a new lighter on that video. I noticed that. I brought it back. I just did that for fun. <laughs> I was playing around. So, um, how long have you been going, John, to the IPCPR or even maybe RTDA? I mean, have you been around that long? Uh, unfortunately, I haven't been around that long, but this was my fourth IPCPR, and I still haven't learned, so. Right. There's a, lot, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to cover. And wearing multiple hats, listen, I went in one year as a buyer, a seller, um, a guest speaker, and uh, media, and the media, and uh, it was ridiculous. So I have to start chipping away at there's only so much you can do in an eight hours. It's a hard time letting other people do stuff is really what it is, John. Control freak. Control freak. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Uh, what, um, what was the thought process behind developing pallets? What, what did, where did you come up with that name? So I'm actually late to the party on developing pallets. So that was started by Aaron Loomis and uh, June Liu. Uh, they started the developing pallets, I want to say, a little bit over maybe a year and a half ago now. Um, and I've, of course, I was formerly with Cigar Federation, and I'd been with Cigar Federation for quite a number of years, I think more than four years. And I was just looking for a change. You know, there's, there's no tasty drama there, unfortunately. I was just looking for a change of venue. And uh, Aaron and June were happy to, happy to have me aboard because I guess they don't know me very well, and I haven't driven them crazy just yet. Uh, so, yeah, and I think the, there's not cigar in the title. You'll notice there's a lot of cigar companies doing that now where they don't put tobacco or cigars in the title, so it kind of... Leaves the leaves it open for some other products like we're doing beer reviews now to uh, to expand the the horizons to develop your palate. Right. If we were to make up something for the drama that happened at Cigar Federation while you left, where would we go with that? <laughs> <laughs> I would say uh, former owner Logan and I got into a fight at the IPCPR. Uh, okay. Uh, and Logan and was mad I ended you beat up him. throwing a case of cigars over the balcony of our uh, suite at the Cosmopolitan. Okay. It sounds good. Now, now that's, there's some news. That is we'll great. Go with that. We'll go with sounds that. Sounds a little bit legit. <laughs> right. It could be. <laughs> if only they were drinking Cosmopolitans at the same time, I, it would be completely believable. Yeah, but that would have been a little, you know, so, Jonathan-like. But, but you, uh, you're big into the, you, you were doing the um, sharing your pairing was a big thing with you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I started that, uh, gosh, I think that almost goes back four years. I kind of looked at... The, the market and said, you know, for the most part, I think a lot of people smoke cigars and drink something. It doesn't have to be alcoholic, but you'll often see some of the Dr. Pepper or Coca-Cola or whoever. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, why is there nothing addressing this in the space? You know, no one's talking about this. At the time, I didn't see any articles from any of the magazines or any of the online publications doing anything. So I said, well, this seems like a good space. And so I decided to start a show. I think the first 
10 episodes were unwatchable and then after that point we kind of got our legs and uh realized just to get sauced and go with it and uh you had barry on a few times because yeah do you have to be a professional alcoholic to be invited on the show what's with that (laughs) absolutely professionals only uh you know we you have to uh have a liver that can uh, go through half or three quarters of a bottle of wiggly bridge and still be somewhat coherent on the show very important and, and I'll tell you, you're a good interviewer because you get more out of Barry than I ever have. And I've said it to Barry, <laughs> yeah. right? I've listened to the show after he's on, and I said, Barry, you were so good. And he says, oh, thank you. And I go, why are you so terrible on our show? Why? <laughs> <laughs> and now, he, Dave, do you, do you think that's my interview skills, or do you think that's the Wiggly Bridge just greasing the wheels? No, because we've greased his wheels here, and he yeah. still shuts the uh, hell up. Unfortunately, Jonathan hogs up a lot of the airtime, so I'm forced to be quiet. That's what he says. We talk too much, and you actually give him the opportunity to shine, and we don't. And that, that's part I, of our channel. I think last week I did a lot of talking on the show. Okay. I haven't got through the whole thing yet, but... Was no. that, it was that bad? No, it was very technical. And, uh, <laughs> it wasn't even that technical. So as a retailer in California, in California as close to California as you're going to get, Canada, um, what is the difference? I mean, is there a product there that you're looking at that, that you cannot get anyway? You go up there and you say, is it okay that I'm from Canada and I want to buy the product? Yeah, absolutely, Dave. And, I th- you know, taxes aside, which we can talk about in a bit, uh, I mean, you're right. There isn't that much difference anymore between Canada and California, except for the fact that within Canada, uh, and certainly coming soon to the United States, every product has to go through pre-approval to be imported. The importer takes care of all the excise taxes, warehousing, which is a very costly thing for them. So that does limit the number of brands that are available in the market. And certainly, you know, you look at the, because you, you famously, I think it was about two years ago, you did a great calculation of the actual number of true cigar smokers in the marketplace. And I used your math to Canada and essentially found out that if you take all the cigar smokers across Canada, that doesn't even match New England. Yeah. That's not a, that's not a massive market comparatively. So if you're a manufacturer and you say, well, do I service New England or do I service all of Canada at eight times the price with all the hassle of importing the product? That's, that's, for a lot of manufacturers, that's an easy calculation to make, I think. Are people taking the product in from other countries and, um, you know, gray market, the cigars in there, is that your competition, you think? That's our largest competition. In fact, we estimate that 70% or more of the product being consumed in Canada is either black or gray market. Wow. So we have it when it comes to Cuban cigars. That's the gray market or black market that comes in uh, now legal for actually consumers to actually get the product in now, uh, which makes it even tougher. But uh, that was always our biggest competition is that people are buying Cuban cigars from outside the country. We're not allowed to sell them in. You, on the other hand, have cigar brands that maybe your customer wants that is not imported into Canada. Therefore, they have to buy them from somebody elsewhere. Absolutely. And... You know, the biggest question we get from manufacturers who aren't necessarily in the market up here is, you know, how, how are, they always want to know how are Cubans doing, how are Cubans doing. And I, I do think that the luster of Cubans uh, for most cigar smokers, your average cigar smoker, they'll still smoke Cubans. But if you look at our humidor facings and look at our sales, the major, the vast majority of cigars that are moving out of the shop are non-Cubans. And uh, What would you say that, the number that, one country is? Pardon me? What would you say the number one country is other than Cuban? 
Oh, Nicaragua. Nick, I mean, the, the, the international numbers of production and import in the States are closely mirrored uh, in Canada. I'd say that the, they're very along the same lines. Nicaragua's number one, Dominican is a close number two, and then, you know, Honduran and everything else. Well, I hear that in Europe also, that it's better than 50% now is uh, non-Cuban cigars, where it wasn't that long ago that it was lucky if it was 10% was non-Cubans. They control the market. If you took Davidoff out of it, it was almost 100% of it. But now it's breaking through, and I think consumers are seeing that there's great cigars other than Cuban cigars out there now. To say nothing of the fact that you can pick up a non-Cuban cigar and, you know, 99 times out of 100, you are going to get a very well-constructed cigar. You, you go and spend that kind of money on a non-Cuban or a Cuban cigar, and if you're getting, say, 50% of the cigars are plugged or have construction issues, uh, not only is that difficult, well, you guys know, that's, I mean, you have to do something as a B&M owner. A guy just spent X number of dollars in the store and he's dissatisfied. Now that's on you. So how likely are you going to be to push that product if you have to end up replacing it half the time? I wondered what I was going to do. You know, it looked there for a while like the embargo was going to lift. And I've had so much problems with draw issues with Cuban cigars that I said, you know, this would be the one that I think I'd say buyer beware. We're not going to stand behind this product because it would simply lose money if, if you know, a big percentage of it was draw problems where we stand behind every single cigar we've ever had all these years but to do that would be uh would kill us basically but you still find uh the company you work for you stand behind the product despite that just push it less i think th you know i think the same rules that apply to being a quality b m owner in the united states apply in canada is if a customer walks away dissatisfied you've you've failed as your job as, as a b m uh, question for you dave i mean what do you think um, because I have a lot of thoughts about what would happen if the Cuban cigars came into the United States into B&M. Uh, do you think, like I see that as maybe broadening the market for you guys because you've got all these people who are coming in to buy a Cuban, which is possibly annoying. However, maybe they've never tried a cigar before. Yes, absolutely. Um, going to Cuba, I was just amazed with the buses pulling up to the stores and the little old ladies going in there and buying boxes mm -hmm. of cigars. So, yes, it would be, you know, it, it would be open a boom. Oh, there'd be a there'd be a boom, but I think it would go back to where it belongs, and you know the the uh, quality stuff would shine, uh, whether it be a Cuban cigar that uh, of quality or it's going to be whatever. Uh, I'm I'm a big purveyor into competition. I like competition. It drives me. You know, it's not somebody that you know somebody comes into my marketplace and I'm looking to push away or something. But I embrace it, and it's just going to make me better. Uh, to a sick degree, yeah. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what will end up happening, that it's just going to make uh, every other uh, company stronger at that point and possibly wake the Cubans up to say, listen, we've got to step up our game. We've got to age our product. We've got to make sure. You know, I saw draw machines. Were they using them? No. They were there. They have them. You've got to use them. You got to make sure that they're good. You got to uh, stay on top of it, and um, you know, listen. It's a communist country, and you know, you're working for the government. Government workers, for the most part, don't care like the guy that owns the company, right? Uh, that's what it seemed like to me. Um, but you know, I embrace it coming in there. It's not much different than government workers here. I mean, you got you got. Uh the guy running the street sweeper, he doesn't care that much. He's going to get his paycheck whether the street is really clean or just right, a little clean. Right. As long as the sweet street sweeper goes by, it goes by. Yeah. So uh, you've, you've been to Cuba a whole bunch of times, right? Oh, yeah, quite a, quite a number of times now. So, Absolutely. And you've gone to the other countries where you see the production there. What do you think major difference of how they do it? 
I, I, you know, there's some subtle differences, but I think there is some major differences. I think if you look at even some of the maybe not best run factories in Nicaragua, if you look at their processes, they've obviously put some serious attention to detail to making sure not only are they maximizing production, but they obviously care a lot about quality. Uh, you, you definitely sort of see that uh, manana approach to cigar manufacturing in Cuba where look, they're there for their eight hours, they're going to roll X number of cigars, maybe they care, maybe they don't. Um, but certainly the pace of operation is is vastly different. Um, and like you said, you know, maybe there is draw machines, I've seen them. Uh, I just haven't seen them in active operation when <laughs> right. I've been there. So. Yeah. All right, so let's get to IPCPR. Um, I, I felt the, the uh, just walking in, I felt the attitude there uh, was very good, despite, you know, um, there was a virus that happened in the hotel beforehand and everything had to be changed up. There was a problem with the IPCPR president who was let go and they brought a new one in who was just uh, basically a, a figurehead right now because he, he didn't even get his feet wet yet. So all these things were happening. And despite that, the attitude of the manufacturer and the retailer, I found just walking through the door was way better than I thought it was going to be. Yeah, no question. I think, you know, one of the big comments we said last year at the show was that there was this real negative air going on the floor and you, you could feel it everywhere you went. Uh, you know, every, no one had a smile on their face. The booths had not a welcoming atmosphere. And I think every, I don't know if it was trepidation or just negativity, but uh, it was really, really felt at the last show. And it wasn't, I think, until the second or third day where that led up. And like you said, versus this day where I walked in on the first floor and I saw people almost bounding to booths with smiles on their face uh, and very excited to be there. And I think that that energy definitely carried through the show for sure. I'll tell you what it was. I wasn't there this year. That was it. That Everybody was, a big was very happy. He, he went like six years in a row, so that was, that was well, one plus. I was going to ask you, you seemed like you were in a f phenomenal mood the whole time you were there. Everybody he was. Was, was Mr. Jonathan not being there yeah, that part was another of the reason? Plus too. But he didn't have me yelling at him he wasn't eating enough broccoli. When everybody's down and everybody's complaining, I'm listening to it over and over, it brings you down too. So if everybody steps it up, and my God, you know, be happy. This is, this is the Super Bowl as far as I'm concerned. Uh, did you get? Did you go to any of the uh, meetings and things like that the day before it opened? Uh, I didn't go to the meetings the day before. I did go to the welcome breakfast and the uh, Marcus Luttrell. Marcus Luttrell is that right? The uh, guest speaker uh, who did a phenomenal job. Um, yeah. So I, I found more than any previous show, we were kind of pulled in about 18 different directions before the show and after the show every evening. It was all we could do to sort of go from event to event. And, you know, you don't want to get that call. Hey, how come you hate me? You didn't show up to the right. event. We invited you to. So, right. so yeah. let me tell you, the day before, and this is an important thing for the IPCPR to know, you're, you're kind of setting the stage at that point. And what was previous years was, oh, no, the world's crashing, it's coming down, FDA is going to kill us and all this. Uh, what we had for uh, speakers was uncovering growth opportunities. So you'd go to that seminar and it'd show you ways to grow your business. You walked out of there with some ideas and you're feeling good. Later came uh, visual merchandising, which was really nice to see yeah. and uh, give you a lot of ideas and you feel good followed by the world premiere of Hand Roll the Movie. Did you catch it? I did, absolutely. Okay, so there it is again, almost like a history lesson of what it is. And you walk out of there, you're part of this industry, you actually know the people on the screen. Every single one of them, I know them. And they tell their story and they say how things are. And there was a little bit of FDA thing in it, but for the most part, 
I think you left being proud that you're part of this industry. And this is the day before the day show before. opens. It's so, like the it's like the weigh-in when you, when you watch a little bit of the drama. You yeah. get hyped up by the hype guy, and then you wait a day and you go in for it. They set the mood. At I that like point. that. They set like the mood. Uh, then it goes to the opening party from there, and uh, from there is the trade show is going to open, and I think everybody's uplifting. So you got to set yourself up for the direction you want to go in. You bring everybody down and then say, okay, open the show. I remember one year, 1997, it was um, Cigar Aficionado did the breakfast, and they read off all the numbers of how the growth was in the industry, and it was a major jump that ended up happening, and everybody felt good. But they wrapped it up with, listen, this is unobstainable, and the bottom fell out, and it's over. And this thing's coming crashing down, and that's how they left us. And then we walked in like zombies into the trade show, and it was the end. You felt that way. That's how they, they brought you into it. It was a major error on there, and, and no, did, did they cause it? No, it wasn't the direction it was going into. But you didn't have to really rub it in everybody's faces right. and bring them down. These, these folks on the other side of that door were selling cigars for a living, and everybody went in and, I better go easy, I better go easy. I talked to manufacturers who told me their first day of the show this year was bigger than last year's whole show. The whole show. No kidding. On their first day. So it was uplifting. We went in uplifting, it was fantastic, and uh, it went from there. Speaking of cigars, since we are a cigar show, yeah. uh, John, did you smoke any standouts, uh, the new stuff that you found at the show? Of course, it's always a challenge at the show, and I think people need to realize your, your palate is completely jacked by the hot air and the uh, seemingly always lack of moisture, but I did get a chance to smoke a number of cigars. Uh, so obviously it's not a it's not a best review, but the the standouts I think the top of that list would probably be the new Hoy de Nicaragua Cinco de Caras. Um, I heard a num both myself and everyone I was talking to thought that was a substantial standout for Hoy de Nicaragua. Um, Cornelius and Anthony the Gent uh, surprised me. It was a it was a very balanced cigar, a um, lot lot of depths of flavor. Uh, the 300 Manos Maduro from uh, Southern Draw. Um, we had an opportunity to smoke that, and uh, again, you know, I think balanced, not sort of heavy, full-bodied. It was uh, very nuanced, uh, and I think maybe the other one would be the Agonorsa signature, signature selection, uh, but I always say if you throw Agonorsa tobacco in something, you, you kind of have to work hard to make it a poor cigar. You're starting sure. with pretty quality materials. Where do you fall strength-wise when you are picking out a cigar for yourself? Are you lean toward the mild side, medium, full-bodied? Does it matter? I'm a bit of an animal. I, li I like to smoke the whole range. So uh, I'm with Barry. You know, I can I can light up that uh, Dark Antonio first thing in the morning and uh, just go to town. At the same time, you know, I, I absolutely love more than anything a really balanced, light Connecticut shade blended cigar. Uh, so I'll I'll smoke the entire range, and uh, it ends up being pretty odd to see me go from a super full-bodied cigar to a super light-bodied cigar. Yeah. Two, two of those cigars you mentioned, uh, I sampled and bought. And it, it's tough because how do I go from every single booth and figure out what I'm going to buy? I end up taking oh, a yeah. lot of stuff back with you. How many can you go through? But I did get that uh, Arganosa Leaf Signature Selection, smoked it. It was fantastic. I bought it. it. We should be coming next week to twoguyscigars.com. And Ahoy de Nicaragua Cinco de Cadas. Um, that's their anniversary cigar, right? Mm-hmm. 50th. 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 Yeah, it's... Yeah. Really yeah. good. Yeah, not sure on when that's shipping yet, but I don't know what we should have next week. Those were two. It's really tough. And I, I, I even said to manufacturers before, 
listen, why don't you send me the cigars beforehand? Right. Let me yep, take yep. my time and smoke it before I end up getting it to buy because I'm putting down a really nice cigar to light your cigar. I'm, I'm eight deep in already. It's only mm-hmm. 11 o'clock, and here we, you know, <laughs> it, it's very, very tough to end up m- making a calculator as a buyer. You know, different as if, if you're going to review the cigar or something, sure. you're going to sit there and review it. But there's Well, the tough thing is you can only cleanse your palate so many times. At some point during the day, you are coffeeed out. Yeah. And you're, I mean, you're in Las Vegas, so you almost can't drink enough water, but it, the water just doesn't cut it. You need something that is a little bit more aggressive as far as cleansing that palate and cleaning it off. Very tough. Well, a bottle of Pellegrino would be helpful. You got the, yeah. uh, the bubbles, yeah. what have you. That Makes me gassy. But, but listen, the manufacturers are really looking for the guy buying, right? And he wants it. So now at that point is, okay, I'm going to try it later on or whatever. And then I see the guy two hours later, have you tried it yet? No, I haven't. And now, you know, what am I going to do here? And then I got to put it in my pocket and say, okay, this is the next one on deck. And then something comes along and I don't get it to it. And I see the guy the next day. I'm like, I didn't do it yet. You know, just it, it makes it very very tough. Everybody looks at this as, oh my God, you're going to go to the trade show and you're going to smoke cigars all day long and stuff. That gets old three really, hours you're gonna, into it. You're, you're going to waste a lot of cigars because you're really. going to smoke about an yep. inch and someone better really capture your attention in that first inch or it's over. Right. You got one quick shot at doing that. Uh, what do you think of this? 2283. Is this doing anything for you? I think this is a really interesting cigar. Considering the amount of Corojo, I'm, I'm shocked at the balance. I was really expecting a uh, very spice-forward cigar, and instead uh, it's got a lot of creaminess, uh, a lot of nuttiness. I mean, there is there is a little bit of spice there, but it's kind of it's almost like uh, when you put a little bit of pepper or hot pepper in cooking, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's underneath there. It's not blowing your tongue out after you take a draw. I had the pleasure of trying all five of these tobaccos separate, you know, uh, yeah. with going through the process with this cigar, which was pretty interesting of, yeah, don't like this, don't like this, this one's good, don't like this, this one's good, and then you put it together and this is what you got and you need some of this. It's interesting that sometimes tobaccos, especially Corojo, can cancel each other out. It's not like having two hot peppers where you add a jalapeno to a habanero and now you have, you're one and a half times hotter. The, right. the Corojo spice can sometimes offset itself and present you end up with the sweetness more than you end up with the spiciness, at least on this. Yeah, even on the retrohale, there's not a lot of spice going on. It's smooth, no. it's woody, it is yeah. nutty, like he said. I'm yeah. picking up burnt saltines. I don't know if anyone else is getting that. You know, you yeah. get them really obviously, toasted. Obviously. And then a saltine. dark roasted <laughs> peanut butter just spread on top of those burnt saltines. Yeah, it's sticking in the roof of your mouth. Does it stick to the roof of your mouth? Peanut yeah. butter typically does, yeah. but I, then, yeah. I got a trick. Yeah? Yeah, you store the peanut butter upside down. Keeps the oils from separating. Really? Yeah. All right. All right. We're going to take a break right now. You're going to stay with us, right? I'll take that as a yes. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) It's a friggin' podcast, John. Come on. We're sign language. Uh, More on the 2018 IPCPR. There was a sense of optimism in the industry, and we'll talk about that and lots more. We're live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, and you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. There was a time when cigars were the hallmark of elegance and success. In this time gone by, the aficionado would revel in opening a beautiful box, only to find their favorite celebratory smoke emblazoned with a heritage-laden band. It's time to put the bundle down and travel back to this golden age. For your voyage, 
may we humbly suggest the only cigar worthy of being packaged in a handmade marble box. Berlin Wall Series from Hammer and Sickle. Live well. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta. The Romeo y Julieta love story with a bold and modern twist. America's favorite love story takes on a modern zeal with this A.J. Fernandez collaboration. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta, crafted in Esteli, Nicaragua, is a contemporary take on the rich and robust profile of the Romeo by Romeo collection. This exceptional premium offering employs an aged San Andreas wrapper, considered one of the most flavorful leaves used in today's premium cigar market. Handcrafted in Nicaragua by cigar master A.J. Fernandez, full-flavored, dressed in a stunning San Andreas wrapper, rich in bold profile with notes of dark chocolate, spice, and licorice, and available in four sizes, Robusto, Toro, Pyramid, and Short Magnum, competitively priced under $10. Romeo San Andreas by Romeo y Julieta, the Romeo y Julieta love story with a bold and modern twist. It's an exquisite day here at the Jensen Estate patio overlooking the 13th green. And we're underway. Jim Jensen has chosen his favorite stick. The Diamond Crown Number 4 by J.C. Newman. See the way he holds the cigar, Tom? Mm -hmm. Excellent balance and heft. Ooh, he's eyeing the silky Connecticut Shade Wrapper, fermented twice for the smoothest, richest flavor. And hand-rolled by the Fuente family with a blend of six to seven distinct Dominican and Caribbean basin tobacco leaves. Each lovingly aged for at least five years. Oh, now Jensen's lining up the Diamond Crown. He's got a precision burn, Tom. Mm, those highly complex flavors with hints of dark chocolate really deliver, Bill. Yes, like all cigars in J.C. Newman's premium diamond crown line. That'd be the highly rated Maximus and the Julius Caesar. Ah, now Jensen's settling in, rolling the rich smoke through his nose. Look at the satisfaction on his face, Bill. Oh, a thing of beauty, Tom. Experience the premium diamond crown brand by J.C. Newman at select retailers or diamond crown lounge near you. Find us on Facebook at J.C. Newman Cigar Co. or visit diamondcrown.com. I want to talk to you today about my friend Glenn Case from Christoph Cigars. I've known him for many years. Glenn is a very nice guy, one of the nicest guys in the industry. Always friendly, always happy. So when I heard his brand Christoph was pissed off, I was surprised. Christoph Cigars have always been known as smooth and rich, and the pissed off Christoph is just that. But there's something else happening here. A natural San Andreas wrapper, the binder, Indonesian, and the filler, Nicaraguan. And like Glenn Case, the cigar starts off sweet, but then it gets pissed off. And like Bruce Banner, you don't want to piss off Glenn Case about Kristoff cigars. Or do you? Expect some spins and a nicotine kick. Strap yourself in for a ride. Pissed off Kristoff is deceivingly strong. You've been warned. Sold in 10-count boxes, four sizes including Churchill, 6x60, Robusto, and Corona Gorda. The hottest new brand is the pissed-off Kristoff. Take it for a ride. Since 1964, Padron Cigars have had the same mission. With over 50 years spent to create a perfect cigar, and more than 100 years to create a perfect legacy, the Padron family understands the significance of time. Padron delivers only the finest handmade complex cigars with the flavor of the Cuban heritage, out of which the Padron recipe was born. The Padron mission is simple, exceptional quality of their cigars and not 
the quantity produced as a vertically integrated family-owned company. Personal attention to every detail is taken in all steps of the tobacco growing and cigar making process. Padrón Cigars, they give you, the cigar smoker, the confidence that each cigar is the same. Perfect. Padrón Cigars, handcrafted since 1964. I want to tell you about my friend Hochi Blanco, a fourth-generation Dominican cigar maker known for growing tobacco and producing highly acclaimed cigars for other people. If some things stay the same, other things have to change. Finally, Hochi's factory, Tobacalera Palmer, has produced a cigar that not only belongs to the factory, but pays homage to the cigar rolling room known as La Galera. The La Galera Connecticut blend is special, using an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper surrounding a Dominican blend of Piloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and a varietal that Hochi named T112. With the exception of the wrapper, Hochi grows all of the La Galera tobaccos himself and carefully watches over every step. The flavor, smooth, but still offering plenty of flavor in all sizes, paying homage to the people and tools used in the factory. Now for the amazing part. La Galera Connecticut has a suggested retail price ranging from $4.95 to $6 and has been awarded the Cigar of the Year by the Cigar Authority. La Galera Connecticut, creating their own version of the Connecticut cigar because they demand more. Hi, this is Tony Serino, and this is Carson Serino from Serino Cigars. You are listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And we are back live from Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, right above Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire. Now in our ninth year, you can find the Cigar Authority on social media. Be our friend, subscribe, give us a review, good or bad, give it to us. We no, want to hear that. it. Give us a five-star review. There we go. And Barry is uh, keeping me abreast of the situation on the uh, chat box. Yeah. No, I am not out of my mind. And yes, I do believe my own bullshit. There we go. <laughs> with us, John McTavish from Developing Palettes is with us, along with many other hats that he wears. Welcome back. Uh, what did you find out there for um, a rookie of the year or something new, that something you didn't know? Did something stand out? They're always asking me as I'm walking through there, what's new? Did you find any uh, surprises? Is there a rookie out there that you didn't know about? I, I, you know, uh, I get the same thing, Dave. It seems like the manufacturers kind of use you as their uh, as their uh, sounding board to go out and sort of you know I get the question well what's new what did you enjoy and same thing you know you're smoking nine ten twelve cigars and it's really tough to get a gauge of uh, of what's new and honestly I don't know that I necessarily I think less this year than any year in the past it seems like most of the players out there were familiar with. Um, of course, with the FDA stuff, you don't, right. you're not seeing that explosion of new companies. Um, I'd say that the big standout this year was the number of companies that perhaps weren't present at previous shows that realized you kind of need a presence at the IPCPR if you're going to sell your cigar. So there were some people that came back, and I think they were very happy with the uh, reception when they came back to the show. Yeah, I was glad to see that, too. You know, sometimes when they're gone, you wonder if you're ever going to see them ever again. Uh-huh. Um, so the folks from Recluse, for instance, they weren't there last year, and there they were again. I was happy to see uh, Scott there. Um, uh, and I was happy to see some of the emerging companies 
that you know have a couple of years in, and all of a sudden you're starting to see them getting crowded. Uh, uh, Steve Saka, for instance, uh, that um, you know he was saying to me, "I got to bring more people with me next year. I can't handle it now," which is yep. great. Yeah. Yep. Um, Nick Melillo, I think, was the same thing. That they, those guys were rocking over there. They had um, between music and um, the art and everything that was going on there. It was a, a fun booth, a place to go by. Um, John, do you see any new uh, cigarbage, any new gadgets <laughs> that you didn't expect you were going to see? You know, I am all about cigarbage. Uh, even though I have, you know, like you guys, I'm sure 120 lighters, I always need that one more. Right. Um, I think some standouts for me, uh, I don't know if you saw this, Dave, but Zycar has a new retailer tool that's available to retailers and I thought that was a brilliant addition. It's a it's a bleeder attack like it has a bleeder piece in it, which every retailer needs. It's got an adjustment tool, it's got a number of different uh, screw attachments, all in one inexpensive tool available for retailers. Uh, and when I saw that I said, Well of course all of our stores naturally need that. I didn't see um, it. I did not see that. Yeah, it's and it's reasonably inexpensive. I you know, I would expect a tool like that to be thirty, forty dollars and they were making them uh, very affordable for retailers. I think every retailer needs that kit. If you don't have that kit, how can you make an adjustment to a lighter? Yeah, we got it. Smart. Um, Smart. Yeah, always a sucker for a new lighter. Uh, the new Zycar Flat Flame Verano. Uh, I'm, I don't have a flat flame. Uh, you know, that's my 173rd lighter. I got to have that. Um, <laughs> Uh, Calibre's got that sort of uh, blocky, interesting Quasar punch. Yes. So it's got four different punches, uh, different different styles, a different packaging than I think what's on the market. So that's kind of interesting. And again, because I'm a sucker for lighters and cutter sets, they've got their their 90th anniversary set, uh, which is which is pretty slick. Um, oh, and of course uh, the the new Cigar Oasis 3.0. Um, mm. which has, for, they think they've lost their mind over there. They've put the Wi-Fi attachment built into the unit uh, and no cost increase. Right. So right. That's, a, that's a lot of value because I think that attachment was $100 or more. Yeah, it was around 100 bucks. Yeah. And now included. Well, I found one mm-hmm. I, that I thought was, and listen, I, I've gone through this before where I think I, it, it's the dumbest idea, and the next thing you know it sells and it does well. Uh, I didn't buy it, but I actually took the pamphlet on it. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna get a close up on this, Ed <laughs> Sullivan. All right, give me this one sec. This, this is called the cigar pump, and I'm like, okay, what could awkward? The, awkward, right? Yeah, it it has a look to it that I'm like for when right. your cigars are lactating. So I was it, thinking when you want to turn a Robusto into a Toro, but yeah, I was thinking it would be appropriate for the show. I so. was thinking Austin Powers would like this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe your cigar is a little underfilled and you need to pump it up. <laughs> so the idea, I guess, on this is to, like a draw poker, but to actually force the air through it and fr- from the foot and, then at, and make it so that it's going to open up. But at that oh, point, isn't it going to crack? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. would think you'd blow your wrapper out, although I'm sure they did some market research on it since uh, at least five of the cigars in the humidor don't exist anymore that they're showing the cigar pump in that you, humidor. Right, right. Dave, do you think I could hook that up to a compressor and, you know, kind of give it a turbo boost? <laughs> yeah, I think I anything over 500 PSI and you're okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe it ends up working. I just thought of 
thought it was interesting, and I should have bought a few just to play around with it anyway. But Glad you didn't. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you, n- you never know, because I've been wrong way too many times. It, it uh, freaking look looks like an enema thing. Right. <laughs> John, I, I asked this question of everyone that I, that I meet from Canada. Do you know Rudy? Of course, absolutely. They all know each every, other. Every Canadian knows every Canadian. It's, uh, I think it's within our Charter of Rights and Freedoms. <laughs> well, he feels at home with the Canadian flag behind you, so. That's that he right. Does. How about busy Didn't boots? Didn't want there to be any question. The accent, if the accent wasn't a dead giveaway, you got to make sure the flag's up so everyone knows. I haven't heard you say A one time. No. I, I've, I'm restraining myself. I'm avoiding certain Canadian words so I don't get pegged down. No one's asking me what type of footwear I've got just in case. And you put the gravy on the, on the French fries and stuff? That's, oh, absolutely. Poutine was made for all of the fat guys inside of us. It <laughs> yeah. is the, the balance of everything delicious. Absolutely. You, you are not. You Do are you own a toque? Oh, toque, toque is a required article of clothing. You must have toques or beanies as they're called in the States. All right. There we are. So were you surprised at any uh, booths that were jam-packed? and was, uh, you know, that, That's another thing, walking through, that I'm, I'm trying to hit the people I need to hit, and then on the next to the last day and the last day, I'm hitting the ones that I didn't need to hit. i got to take care of business first. But all of a sudden, as you're walking around, you see a lot of people in a certain area, and then I'm yep. like, okay, i got to break from um, this normal path I'm taking, and I'm going right over to where the, where the action is. Do you find anything that... You know, why, why are so many people concentrating on this? You know, Dave, I think it's like, uh, it, it's almost like being a good B&M. There's a formula to it. And if you look at the booths that year over year are sort of hopping and pumping and full, and they, you know, the Roma Crafts, Drew Estate, Davidoff, um, you know, all the, the, the Nick Malilo, the Foundation, Dunbarton, the Packard and Trust, all those, all those booths are very consistent with their approach to the show. And I think, there's a lot of things that people can learn from that, you know, having that music, having that, that, uh, booth layout style, uh, year over year, they're always packed. Right. Um, you know, they never seem to have sort of a down year. Uh, music is certainly a big one. I think music creates that excitement where people want to see what's going on. And, um, yeah. So now well, everybody hears this and every booth is going to be musical. It's going to be <laughs> good luck trying to beat Perdomo with that drum. Kit. Oh my oh God. My. That's right. Goodness. Yeah. yeah killing it no dave uh i was kind of hoping we could play a little game that i call the price is right the price is wrong oh look uh, at you taking taking charge <laughs> i love that's it. right that's it <laughs> so just to give you i mean first of all because we were talking earlier in the show about the uh, can, you know what's different in canada uh can you imagine being a b&m owner in, in uh, the united states and not being able to smoke in your own store oh my god that's uh, two hands tied behind your back at that point it's tough to right. fight so especially with customers, customer comes in, you sell them this fancy new cigar that they're very excited to try, and then you say, and now you may enjoy it outside in the uh, rainy, cold, uh, terrible wow. weather. Um, but to, uh, you know, I was kind of hoping we could uh, shock some audience members out there who maybe don't think the FDA stuff applies to them uh, to see just how bad it can get. Amen. Okay, give it to me. All right, so, of course, the uh, the rules, as always, are the closest without going over. Oh, yeah. uh, so are we, are these up, uh, the f- real rules, or are they Dave's <laughs> rules about being the closest without going over? Dave's the boss, so okay. it's always Dave's rules. John, how many tiebreakers do you have? I have zero tiebreakers. All right. It's all or nothing. Yep. Uh, so we're going we're gonna to throw uh, Habanos under the bus here. Uh, we're going to start out with the, you know, the most recognizable brand, uh, Cohiba Robusto. So Cohiba Robusto, what do you guys think that retails for on the shelf? Uh, in, in Canada. Are we talking US? Red Dot or we're talking Red Dot or, or Habano? Uh, this is the Habanos because Red Dot is not allowed on the uh, Canadian market because of the 
how about, how about uh, that trademark ni- issue? How about that models? $90 Cohiba? Did mm-hmm. you catch that? Mm-hmm. The Spectre, yeah. Yeah, $90. John, are $90. we talking Canadian dollars? Yes, fake monopoly. Oh, I have money. to change Absolutely. my. I have to change and my answer. I I think it's about thirty percent difference right now, isn't so, it? So this round one point three. All right, I got my I got my answer. Yep, I got my answer. All right, I'm locked in. I know in. Barry can't cheat because you'll never find these these numbers on the internet. So right, uh, nobody will right. ever show them. Dave, you got honors. All right, I'm gonna go thirty-two dollars. I'm gonna say fifty-two dollars. Oh. I I got forty-five. Uh, I'm gonna go fifty-seven. Well, uh, point goes to Barry. Uh, it is fifty-one dollars. Fifty-one dollars for. I was off by one. You were over. You were over. Only by Dave's rules. And how's this? You guys ain't getting rich from that either, right? No, we. I mean, not to get too too into it, but we make half the margin on cigar products that uh, wow. American B and M's do. Wow. Tough yeah. to stay alive. So you so you're talking over a thousand dollars for a box. Yes. Oh my God! And, a and there are people that buy boxes. Wow. Yep. Okay. Uh, so number two, uh, of course, a brand we all know and love, uh, the Padron 1964 Exclusivo Robusto. What do you guys think that retails for? Again, Canadian dollars. We're talking fake monopoly colored mm-hmm. money, not the American greenback. Carry the one. I got mine locked in. Me too. Forty-five dollars is my guess. Forty-nine dollars. I said $44. Yeah, I went more like 35 Barry's, Barry's killing it today. I think he did his homework. Mm-hmm. Uh, $49.80. What was your guess, Barry? $49. Damn it. So another $50 cigar. Cigars <laughs> cost $50 a piece. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, it's fake yeah, Monopoly money, so you can light those on fire. We don't, we don't have a $50 cigar. Yeah, 33 is the most expensive we have. Okay. Yeah. There is some light at the end of the tunnel. We're going to go, uh, you know, with a, sort of a brand that everybody knows and loves, the Doss Drew Aubrey? Estate Undercrown. Um, I don't even know what a Drew Estate Undercrown costs in the U.S. anymore, but uh, let's go Drew Estate Undercrown. All right, I'm beating Barry on this one. All right, Because Barry, Barry's going first. $24. All right. I got 18 Ed Sullivan? 22 I have 28 uh, Mr. Ed Sullivan wins it. It is $23, and that is actually down because they changed distribution. Uh, so that they used to retail for about $28, and now they're retailing for $23. So I would have had two points what if up? they didn't change their stupid distribution. <laughs> <laughs> is there a Canadian brand in Canada that, that, they, that they import, and would that end up saving them? Like a lot of people want that to happen in California, for instance, imported into California at factory price. So... Yeah, you know, I think um, like their fa- I don't know if they're going to bring their their new factory directs into Canada um, because again, a lot of that cost that has to be bared is the import process and the excise process and the uh, warehousing process that adds a lot of cost, the front end cost. Um, you know, there are obviously just like in the U.S., every store has their own house blend because you you kind of have to have a cigar at the sub twenty dollar mm-hmm. price point to stay in business because there are people that simply won't spend twenty dollars on a cigar. Because I mean, who spends twenty dollars on a cigar? Um, but yeah, we have we have house blends that are uh, just like everybody that are under twenty dollars, and uh, they certainly sell very well. And the same goes for your your pipe tobacco and your um, cigarettes and everything is way up there, double triple the price. Oh yeah, I mean a carton of cigarettes up here is uh, plus one hundred and fifteen dollars, maybe one hundred and twenty dollars for a carton. Wow. And- John, do you have any maple-flavored cigars for the Canadian market? 
So here's another interesting thing about the Canadian market is they've banned flavorings in cigars that are not premium cigar sizes. Hmm. And so, you know, you see a lot of those sort of smaller Vitola, Cigarillo-style cigars that have flavorings to them. Uh, those are banned from the market entirely. And, we, and there was no pushback as, as these laws were coming into effect? Was there, was there some sort of a Canadian group that tried to make this not happen or everybody just laid back and let it happen? Well, you know, even more so the cigar smokers <coughs> in Canada being so Canadian, they're so passive and laid back. Uh, they don't fight this stuff until it's too late. And uh, as your freedoms kind of get eroded, uh, by that point, it's, you can't put the horse back in the barn, as they say. It, there's, so we, we never had a, uh, a Cigar Rights of America, Cigar Rights of Canada. So absolutely, if, you know, and you guys say it every week, if you're not a Cigar Rights of America member, um, you're doing yourself and everyone in the industry and every consumer a disservice because they're fighting for your rights and that is the only thing standing between you and wide-scale smoking bans everywhere yeah so sean rogers just texted me from within the audience <laughs> um what's considered a cheaper inexpensive cigar up in canada like what's what are some brands that are cheap uh well of course we we avoid the word cheap uh we say inexpensive or affordable um what, but i know what is the arista name? is a good uh what is the name of cigar. Uh, what's the name of the company you work um, for? arista what's the name of the company you work for my company? Yeah. Uh, cheap, cheap Smokes and Cigars, which oh, is that's just... What, uh, that's what I thought. Yeah, that's yeah, why I went there. You just, said, <laughs> you just said avoid the word. That's all. I'm just yeah. catching oh, up yeah. on that. We, we, learned, we learned that lesson early on because uh, when you set that precedent with the customer, they're saying, okay, what's your cheapest cigarette? Right. What's your cheapest cigar? There we go. Yep. Mombacho, isn't that one of the Canadian brands? It is, and uh, shockingly, because they, I mean, obviously they understand the Canadian market uh, so well. Uh, their, their products are actually priced very aggressively on the market. I'm sure that that's a, as a result of them simply not making as much money on, on cigar product. Um, but they're priced in the sort of low $20 mark, which for the quality of cigar puts them sometimes 4 or $5 under a competitive brand. So it certainly gives them an advantage. Barry, I heard a little of your... Um news last week that there was an issue with the Mombacho name? The, the name Mombacho is trademarked by Aganorsa Leaf and mm -hmm. Aganorsa won the lawsuit. Um, so whether or not Mombacho is going to be able to continue to use that in the U.S., whether they're going to have to reach some kind of agreement is to be determined. All right. Okay. Uh, all right. So uh, developing palettes. Now, I, I see rating systems everywhere. I got to beat you up on this because the, Absolutely. the rating numbers are so bizarre to me that, you know, you look for a brand to say, oh, this got a 91 or something. This is a 95. It's a 99 or 100 in Barry's case that, that he uh, passes out hundreds <laughs> like, they're, uh, like they're nothing. But um, <laughs> at least the consumer can look at that and say, okay, if something's rated in the, in the 90s is really good. When it comes to developing palettes, um, 6.7, that's pretty good. I don't know. What? It's a little bit like a beautiful mind, you know, when he has all those numbers kind of up in the air. Yeah. And he's trying. Um, Aaron explained it really well uh, during the trade show. We had, we had sort of an epiphany to make it uh, very friendly. So the way to think of it is, think about a consumer satisfaction survey. So zero is not satisfied at all. Ten is completely satisfied. Five is neither satisfied nor dissatisfied. And I think that's kind of a simple way to translate that. So when you say a cigar is a five, 
you know, you're saying, yeah, it was, you know, it, it was burned. okay. I wasn't dissatisfied, but I wasn't necessarily satisfied. Uh, and when you start to get into the sixes and sevens, you go, yeah, no, that's, you know, if I give, if I give someone a seven on a satisfaction survey, that's, they're doing very well. Okay. And when you start, I would look that as seventy percent uh, as a failure in the satisfaction end. But it's not. And they should be fired. It's not seventy percent <laughs> because you're satisfied. You know, you're. you're it is seventy percent. A seven out of ten is seventy percent. No, because one to two is like extremely dissatisfied. So a seven would be, you know, more than satisfied. satisfied. I, I think some manufacturers would rather that Barry Stein take a dump on their chest than give him an eighty-eight. <laughs> Mm. And he's saying an 8.8 would be a really good score. Huge. It's not. It's not. 8.8 would be huge. It's an yeah. 88. Has anything ever got anything into the 9 point something? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know that any cigar has ever gotten to the 9s. I think we had a couple cigars last year just crack into the 8s. Uh, I had a cigar that got into the 8s this year, which uh, I'm sure I'm going to get some ribbings on. Um, but you're absolutely correct, Mr. Jonathan. Uh, whether you give a... A 91 or an 88 or a 92. I mean, we've all been on, on the receiving end of a call from a manufacturer, and the first thing they say is, "Why do you hate me? Why do you hate me? And why do you hate my cigar? Why? Do, you know, it's like, well, a 92 is a cigar that is a phenomenal cigar, but you do absolutely see. Well, why wasn't it a 95? Why wasn't it a 97? So, if you don't and, know of any cigars in the nines, why not just shift your scale? And, and ride a sliding scale of plus one point on everything, and then your highest score will be a 10, and you can work your way in from there. Uh, they're getting attention because we're talking about it, and, and maybe there's something to that. It's I just mean. aggravating. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just you. Believe me, we were on the receiving end of a lot of conversation at the show. But, but listen, you guys do it good. Uh, the, the way you dig into it in, in a deep way, on developing palettes, I mean, it, it's, it's a cool way. I'm not crazy about the numbers of what it is, but I love reading <laughs> of, what, of the information provided. Well, thank you very much. Yeah. We appreciate that. Um, but, yes, I mean, I think, you know, really at the end of the day, uh, we kind of saw within our, you know, previously rating that there was a bit of a creep towards the nines and the tens, and we, you know, realized that, look, you know, no, disres no disrespect to a lot of the cigar manufacturers out there, but every cigar can't be a 9. Every cigar can't be a 10. You know, I think more than ever in the cigar industry, you actually have to struggle to find a cigar that isn't, at, at the very least, good because cigar manufacturers are putting out fantastic product. You know, if it was the 90s where everything was kind of 50% bad, I would say now you've reached a point where 50% of the cigars are good and everything else is better than that. So, we, you know, truly for quality, we're in... We are in the golden age of cigars. Here we go. I got to squeeze the uh, matchup of the week in here. It's time for the matchup of the week brought to you by VS. VS means versus, but it stands for Victor Sinclair. Victor Sinclair cigars. Here's the, the matchup of the week. Smoke a cigar with great flavor and complexity with a poor draw versus smoke one with a great draw but one-dimensional. What say you? Ooh, that's throwing me under the bus. I'm, I'm going to gut check says I got to go with the cigar that has great flavor and poor draw because at the end of the day, uh, I'm smoking a cigar for the best possible flavor possible. And you'll possible. struggle through the draw because you're used to it because you're smoking those Cuban cigars <laughs> on the can. That's what it that's is. That's right. I'm going to say uh, that I agree with you, John. Oh, my because, God. He agrees with nobody. Uh, because yes. 
you can always open up a draw. You can get a draw enhancer. You or can the stab draw it. Or the cigar pump. Yeah, you can pump it. <laughs> yeah. uh, you can always improve the draw of a cigar, whereas you cannot improve its complexity. So I would rather smoke something that's exceptional and deal with the draw issue than have a uh, cigar that draws really well and, and is the same cigar all the way through. Should you go or should I go and correct both of them? You can go. Because you're not going to correct them. I'm not going to no, correct them. he's a them. chicken. I'm going to agree he's with that. He's a chicken. Them. Really? Yeah, because a cigar that has a lot of f- great flavors to it, you don't have a problem buying another one. If a cigar is one-dimensional, it's one-dimensional. I smoke one-dimensional cigars. I will smoke a, and finish a one-dimensional mm-hmm. cigar. A tight-drawing cigar, and you've seen me do it, I'll smoke a quarter of an inch of it and throw it in the ashtray, and I say, I'm not dealing with this. I'm just not going to deal with it. It's very impatient. See, I'd rather, I'd rather deal with that than deal with something that's... I know this cigar is good. I know there's a lot of flavor. There's a lot of complexity to it. All right, I'll just buy another one. It's a handmade product. A tight draw is going to happen from time to time. Sorry, right. it's one dimensional. Save me I'm not going to buy. I mean, we're on the losing end, Dave. But yes, we I, lost. I'm it. with you. If it's a tight draw, all I taste <coughs> is disappointment. Yeah, disappointment <laughs> and fear, right? <laughs> kind of like this show. Right, right. <laughs> with all due respect, uh, John. And he said with all due respect, so it's okay. Uh, all right, how do we find uh, you in developing palettes? So I'm easy. Uh, I've always branded myself as the Cigar Surgeon, uh, so that if I change my name, you can always find me. So I'm Cigar Surgeon on all social media channels. Uh, of course, you can find all the Developing Palettes content at developingpalettes.com. You have to know how to spell palette, though. It's not a uh, piece of wood that you stack things off of. So that's <laughs> like on our show notes. Course. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> of course on YouTube, Developing Palettes as well. All right. Thank you so much for coming on. I'd love to get you here face-to-face someday, show you the place and have some if you're ever around. Uh, Thank you so much. We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we have more thoughts on the 2018 IPCPR with one of the biggest cigar retailers in the world, Jeff Borshowitz from Corona Cigar in Florida, and the grower of Florida sun-grown tobacco joins us live in studio. We're live from Two Guys Smoke Shop in Salem, New Hampshire, in the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. And you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Stepping into the aging room has a new meaning at Aging Room Cigars, as Rafael Nodal has traveled to Spain, where the idea for Aging Room Solera was born. The Solera method of aging has been used for centuries in the making of wine, sherry, brandy, and rum. The method mixes different vintages, allowing them to age together. For Aging Room Solera, Rafael takes several tobacco vintages and puts them in bales, where they age together for another 12 to 18 months. This allows the tobaccos to marry for a longer period of time. At the end of the aging process, Aging Room Solera becomes a balanced, and complex cigar with a fantastic price point. Aging Room Solera, it will have you calling for an encore. In a time where humidors are overflowing and retailers' shelves are on the verge of buckling, there is one brand that stands out amongst the rest. Sereno Cigar Company offers four distinct blends. The Connecticut, the Medio, Maduro, and Maduro XX, all aged to perfection. Crafted at the La Corona Cigar Factory in Esteli, Nicaragua, each artfully crafted blend comes to life by the experienced hands of master blender Omar Gonzalez Aleman and industry veteran Anthony Sereno. To create 
this masterpiece, a combination of hand-selected filler tobaccos from the fertile soils of Esteli and Jalapa are aged for over five years and then draped with a luxurious wrapper leaf to bring you an endlessly complex and majestic experience. A post-roll aging process of two additional years allows the blend to marry, creating unmistakable and ever-changing tasting notes that tantalize the palate, leaving you anticipating each and every drop. Visit SerenoCigars.com for a list of retailers, and you can always find Sereno Cigars available online at TwoGuysCigars.com. Sereno, a majestic cigar aged to perfection. You've heard us talking before about the best cigar magazine in the world, Cigar Journal. You want to know what makes Cigar Journal the best cigar magazine? Cigar Journal covers every angle of the cigar world. From exclusive stories and features, insightful interviews with industry power players, detailed cigar reviews, and of course, all the latest news and reports surrounding premium cigars. We're telling you, you will be impressed. Cigar Journal has stunning images, explanations of cigar science basics. This is the magazine for any cigar enthusiast, or better yet, passionado. Cigar Journal covers cigars in the U.S. and around the world and is printed right here in the USA. You owe it to yourself to discover the world's best cigar magazine, Cigar Journal. Available at your local cigar retailer and on the web at their new website, CigarJournal.com. That's CigarJournal.com. You're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Let me tell you a little bit about the Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary Cigar, or what they call the Three-Peat. Crafted in Rocky's boutique Nicaraguan factory, the 15th anniversary was released in 2010 to commemorate Rocky Patel's 15th year in the cigar industry, and it impressed right out of the gate. The Robusto and the Torpedo both scored 93 points in Cigar Aficionado, while the Toro and Corona Gorda both notched 92 points. The Rocky Patel 15th Anniversary is a robust cigar with notes of toasted spice, roasted coffee, and almonds. Rocky Patel himself has referred to his 15th Anniversary as the Decade on Steroids. The 15th anniversary has also been named to Cigar Aficionado's Top 25 Cigars of the Year list on three separate occasions. Rocky's only brand to accomplish the three-peat. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. Rocky Patel's 15th anniversary. The La Galera Habano uses a classic wrapper on a staple cigar for a classy company. Hi there, this is David Garofalo of the Cigar Authority, and I want, no, no, I need to tell you about La Galera Habano. The La Galera Habano is an authentic cigar elaborated with the hands of the best cigar rollers of Tobacalera Palma in the Dominican Republic. Blended around an outstanding, flavorful Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, the Dominican-grown Corojo binder, and the filler made up of Peloto Cubano, Criollo 98, and Peloto Oro, creating a medium to full-bodied, attractively consistent, and aromatic smoke that envies no other. I love this cigar. Have you tried La Galera Habano yet? Well, what are you waiting for? Available at better cigar shops worldwide is La Galera Habano. The wait is over. La Galera Habano. Justo and his father Julio Eiroa are continuing the tradition of growing authentic Corojo and now bring you Aladino. 
Aladino is a true old-fashioned cigar, pure authentic Rojo grown in the Eiroa Tobacco Farms in Honduras from the original Cuban seed of Corojo. An Aladino cigar represents the golden era of cigars in Cuba, and after one light, this old-school smoke will bring you back. Aladino cigars come from JRE Tobacco, a family-centered company who manage all aspects of cigar growing and manufacturing. This crop-to-shop operation is fully committed to providing you with quality and satisfaction. The premier Corojo grower in the entire cigar industry is Julio Eiroa, a tobacco grower and master cigar blender who personally guarantees that Aladino will provide you the opportunity to enjoy the true authentic Corojo taste. Take this journey and be part of history in a cigar smoking experience like no other. Aladino. This is good smoke. This is the Cigar Authority. Smoke a cigar? Sure. The authority on everything cigar, in and out of the cigar industry. You'll get nothing and like it. With your host. You smoke vile cigars all day. David Garofalo. Oh, that's fine as long as you're imported. Mr. Jonathan. You should have caught me before my operation. Barry Stein. I never drink. Why? And Ed Sullivan. Might even lend you my light up. So it's time to light them up. <laughs> Good. The Cigar Authority is here. You have finally done the show about nothing. And we are back with our number two broadcasting live from the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. In the U.S., they grow cigar tobacco in Connecticut, Pennsylvania, even Kentucky. But they grow more than oranges in Florida. They're now growing Florida sun-grown tobacco. And with us is not only one of the biggest and best cigar retailers in the world at Corona Cigars, but also a tobacco grower of FSG, Florida sun-grown. Welcome. Finally, I'm so honored to have you here, Jeff Borschewitz. Thanks a lot. I, you know, I've, Dave and I, we've been friends for 20-something years, and this is my first time ever being here. And I just feel honored in, in it's like a journey that we took to, you know, we're driving on a road trip, and sure. I'm so happy to be here and see your place. And oh, it's we're honored incredible. to have you. Honored to have you. It's beautiful. I, I, I have seen yours, and uh, listen, I was trying to get my staff all together this morning and say, okay, Jeff's coming in. Make it look as best as we can, because <laughs> uh, this is the guy. Well, they did a great job, man. This yeah. place is beautiful. It's clean. It's yeah. the way cigar shops should be. Absolutely. And un unfortunately, we talked about some other shops I've stopped by in the way, and it's like they're not all that. And no. it takes... It's very hard to run a retail operation, and people don't know all the, the little details you got to get right. And we make it look easy, but yeah. it, it's difficult, and it's, it's hard for us, and it should be hard for them, too. If they, you know, and they, they look at it, well, it's easy for you. It's not easy for me. It's but very hard. When you walk in the door, you can see within the first few seconds whether the, the, you know, the people are taking pride in the, in the store and yeah. clean and looking right and being greeted friendly, and yeah. this, this is a great place. Yeah, I, uh, I visited your store <laughs> in Florida. My sister lives down there, and so I borrowed her car, and I went on a road trip and hung out, and um, I walk in the store, and this dude is staring at me from behind the counter. So I go up and down the aisles, and I'm, I'm like, he thinks I'm going to steal something. <laughs> so I'm keeping my hands where he can see him. Yeah. I'm not touching anything. I, I mean, everything was beautiful in there. The whole inside was all humidified, so everything was out. So I'm walking up and down, and I, I pick out a cigar, and I don't go anywhere near my pockets, and I hold it up, and I walk up to the counter, and I set it down. I'm just being careful because I know what it's like. You know, you suspect someone's stealing. And he goes, I know you. 
<laughs> you're, you're Mr. Jonathan from the Cigar Authority, and there I go, go. Are you Santa? Yeah, it's that dude with the big, the Mark, big white beard, Mark. Absolutely. Yes. He, he so. on Facebook, he said, "Say hello yeah. this morning." But you know what? That that's great because here's one of the things is that uh, you know the guys that are part of Corona Cigar, it's a team, right? And and our guys are all um, cigar enthusiasts, you know. And oh, yeah. that's what's really cool is that he recognized you because it's the lifestyle that we have, yeah. the cigar lifestyle. So when you have guys that are that you know on their day off for talking cigars and watching cigars, right. that's passion, you know. Absolutely. And you can't uh, you can't train passion. That store was and, so and phenomenal, by the way. I mean, I left. I, I must have smoked three cigars while I was there, and I left, and my sister didn't even know that I had smoked. Well, their car smelled a little bit like smoke. But. <laughs> in the car, right? Well, we're glad you stopped by and glad you had a great experience. That yeah, was awesome. All right, so Florida Sun Grown, uh, tell us about this. Well, what happened is that the United States used to have two primary growing regions for premium cigar tobacco. It was Connecticut and Florida, and they competed head-to-head for wow, years. I, 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 how long ago in Florida? Well, it, it started up before the Civil Wars in the All early right, 1800s. I never remember it. I've been around for 33 years, but it, it was what, no Florida. What happened is is that uh, in the New England area, you had lots of tobacco growing. There were a lot of cigar manufacturers here, too, yep. believe it or not, Pennsylvania and, and other parts of this region. And there were cigar factories all over the United States. Sure. However, the... The, the majority of cigar factories actually were in, t- in Ybor City in Tampa. And also, there was a big one, and still is, is in Jacksonville, Swisher. Now, Swisher yeah. had the King Edward brand. Yep. And then Tampa had Hava Tampa and loads of other brands. So um, you had com- the shade industry of shade tobacco. Believe it or not, the technology of growing shade tobacco came from Florida. It didn't originate in Connecticut. Wow. Neither did the cloth. The cloth originated in Florida, too. It was a South Georgia cotton gin that uh, man- manufactured the cloth. because no actually kidding. But I got to tell you this. We stole the technology. It was from Indonesia and Sumatra. They had wooden slats. That's how they grew the tobacco under that, and it was Sumatra seed. Okay. So they, they brought that back to Florida. But there's two types of tobacco grown in Florida, one being Cuban, Cuban seed, and the other one being the Sumatra under the shade. So um, it's, it had been around for you know 150 years, and uh, if you follow the the history of cigars in the United States, you know, back in that 1900s, there were, you know, people smoking millions of cigars. Yeah. Tampa made 350 million cigars a year on its own. Wow. Now, the entire premium cigar industry in the United States is 350 million. Yeah. Okay. So that puts it in the scale how many cigars were coming out of just that city. And so the majority of that tobacco originated in Florida. Wow. So it was a big, um, big growing region, but, you know, times change. The, you know, there were a lot of things that you happened. You can afford to smoke more cigars when they're a nickel. That's the other thing. That's true. And so what happened is it was a very price-sensitive industry, too. And that's one of the reasons why uh, you, there's only one reason no one grows cigar tobacco in Florida. It's because of cost. Yeah. <coughs> and it's the reason why no one's growing Connecticut shade in Connecticut anymore. It's because yeah. of the cost. But they also have a competitor called Ecuador. And also now they're growing in Nicaragua and Honduras under yeah. the shade, too. So that's the driving reason. It's, it's absolutely impossible to grow uh, uh, cigar tobacco in Florida where you, you can turn a profit. It, you just can't do it. So, but that's why I was able to come fortunate enough to come at it from a different angle. As being a retailer, we can subsidize that farm and then sell those cigars so that over time, at least it can break even. Yeah. And that's the goal. And we, we, but that's not why we did it because that still doesn't cover all the work that you do yeah. and all the, you know, these tobacco barns. We didn't start off with, when you drive through Connecticut, you see barns that are there for a hundred years, right? Yeah. Um, to build a new tobacco barn, it's a hundred thousand dollars just wow. to build a barn. 
plus you know they use tractors that they've had for 50 years you know a new john deere tractor is eighty thousand dollars and then you know you put you start adding all these equipment costs it's very expensive so um we did it for other reasons just because we wanted to bring back um you know i've been real active in politics and stuff and you, you know when we're in dc what do they ask hey where's the you know how many cigar stores are in my district and yeah you can sit there and tell them about how many jobs it is in Nicaragua and Honduras and all that, but honestly, they, they could care less about that. They want to know about American jobs. They want to know about American culture and American history. So we, you know, it's like, we should bring back Florida tobacco. And that's why we did it. We wanted to have an ingredient that when you make a cigar, that it's a new ingredient that manufacturers have to work with. Now, this has not occurred. I, I don't know when the last time it has occurred where a manufacturer had a new tobacco to work with. Perhaps the, the most recent might have been Cameroon, which would have been in the you know, mid-1900s. Right. So we were able to bring back a leaf that guys used to use on a regular basis that's no longer there. And, and the analogy I use is like having a great chef where he's got you know lobster and steak and pork and, and whatever else to, to, to work with. But well, we just added, let's say, you know, duck to his, to his uh, you know, list of things that he can work with. Yeah. So that's where... Um, you know, that, that kind of gives a reason why we did it and where we're at. And, uh, and, and at the end of the day, none of this would work, though, without support of, you know, Americans wanting to say, listen, you know, I, I know it costs a little more to grow cigar tobacco, but we're willing to do it because we want to, you know, we, we want to smoke something different. And, and so these must retail for like $37. No, that's I think that's $14 for that size or $15. That's very in, reasonable. Yeah, that's in New Hampshire and Florida, yeah. you know, places that don't have yeah. cigar tax. But it's, you know, we tried to keep it reasonable as well, but it's, it's you know, it's, it's very expensive to grow, but uh, we're doing it for other reasons. Other reasons. Other reasons. Well, and, and you know, I, I want everybody to know that there is a Cigar Rights of America out there, and you're the reason why there is. Me and Keith Park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because I we, mean, he, this was his vision of what it is. We need to get the consumer engaged, and you put this together, and listen, there was a handful of us working um, to try to keep taxes down and try to keep our rights going and you went over and above into a whole different direction and you put many many years and time into it so thank you on behalf of everybody that listens to us so it, it should go to where where it belongs we, we i really appreciate yeah. david that that but also one of the reasons why that occurred was because of a lot of times people don't realize when you talk about the government what happens um they create policies and they're reactive to it mm -hmm. and uh you know I was in a pickle there when that S chip came yeah. about and cigar tax was supposed to be, you know, went from five cents to $10 and had a floor tax. Yeah. Dave and I are very similar. We have a lot of cigars in inventory and we were faced with a, a, an incredible potential, an incredible tax bill. And we were in the middle of building another store and we literally had, had our, the underwriters of the loan for our store um, pulled the loan away yeah. right when we started construction. So what, I was like, I was going to be the first casualty in the cigar industry due to S-chip. Yeah. So Yeah. So it was total panic mode. But, but I tell you what, that's what made the message resonate in Washington, D.C. When somebody comes from, and, and it was a, 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 an older staff member, a guy in his 50s, which let me tell you, when you go to Washington, D.C., it's very rare that you see a staff member that's over 25 years old. The people that write our rules and, our, and the legislation, our government, most of them are fresh out of, out of college, and they, they're you know, they're highly intelligent, book smart, but they don't have any real street experience Street experience and the impact that certain things have. And it was a seasoned guy that said, you know what? I remember he, was, he was a high-ranking official in Harry Reid's office. And he goes, when we see a business card come from somebody, let's say it came from the middle of Idaho, 
and we see that that individual made a trip to Washington, D.C. to talk to us about an issue, that raises a big red flag. It's not a lobbyist. It's not a, yeah. a special interest group. It's a guy that something's wrong, that, that there's something going on that's going to really affect him. Yeah. And, and, you know, there's half the stuff that's told in, in, in you know, D.C. There's a saying, you know, you know, you know whatever, liars figure. Anyway, there were, a lot of times the stories aren't true. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're meant to push a, a certain agenda. Correct. When you get Joe Schmo from Idaho that says, listen, this is going to put me out of business, they don't need a, bu- a big think tank to tell them that. They're like, this is real. Right. Right? And so all of a sudden, people say, wait a minute, something's going on here. And that's how the whole S-chip thing bubbled up, was by doing that. Because they had no idea what a floor tax would do. They had no right. clue. They were looking at it as cigarettes. Now, they didn't realize that it would make every retailer out there in the country write a big check that they don't have the cash to do. And so, that, so that's how this whole thing, you and know. And you're talking about up. a big number, but I started out in 1985 in Boston. and Before and we go any wait. further, can we cut the goddamn cigar and get it lit <laughs> yeah, so we can enjoy it along with Jeff? Yeah. His is already lit. <laughs> All right. It's time to cut our cigar. The official cutting brought to you by our friend Nick Perdomo from Perdomo Cigars. Perdomo is the brand, while all other brands were raising prices, Perdomo cut out the federal S-chip tax and actually lowered them. Perdomo Cigars, they stand for quality, tradition, and excellence. And just before we get to the lighting, the cigar features a Brazilian Ariparaca wrapper over a Honduran Habano binder, and the fillers are Florida sun-grown and Nicaraguan tobacco. So um, golden raisins right off the bat. Golden raisins eaten on the uh, seashore. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Early morning, <laughs> about 4.30, the sun's just starting to come up. Golden raisins. Check We're going to light our up. cigar today Buddha. with the Vertigo Big... Buddha. The Vertigo Big Buddha retails for $39.99. It features four jets. It has the patented Vertigo big-ass tank fueling those jets, a flip-out bullet punch, and easy adjustment at the bottom. It's the Vertigo Big Buddha for $39.99. I like this lighter. The girls think I'm uh, happy to see them when I'm carrying this. There we go. <laughs> so I left Massachusetts because of a 12% floor tax that was going to – the tax was going to happen, but the floor tax was going to be implemented. 12%. I had built at that point, I was in the business 10 years. Every penny I had was in inventory. That's right. I didn't have money to eat. I yep. had nothing. Everything was in inventory. 12%. It took me 10 years to get there. Impossible for yes. me to pay the bill. So my choice was everybody said, oh, you had a lot of balls to end up leaving that state. You had three stores and you were booming and all this stuff like this during the boom. I was either going out of business or I was moving. That was the only yeah. two choices I had, which is yeah. the same thing. The thing is, this tax was going to happen in America. You would have to leave the country or <laughs> go, go to, out of business. Let's go to Canada. There's no taxes up there. And, and I was actually in the same, same spot, three stores and huge inventory because we know that's what built our, com- our company that's by right. having inventory. And uh, all of a sudden, you add a floor tax. And, and the, the, the obscene number that they were saying on top of it was, well, I'm just going to go out of business. That's all there is to it. Yeah, so that, that's when I say the stories resonate. When you, when you literally have the business owner in front of you saying, listen, I'm going to have a, a tax bill that's over a million dollars, and I don't have it. Yeah. I don't have the, the, the money to write the check. So then they're like, they, you know, they, they kind of look at you like, well, we didn't realize this is what, what was happening. Right. Well, you know, people can try and tell you that when a, when, a, when a think tank tells them that or a scoring people in the government tell them right. that. You know, they... Those things can be manipulated to say whatever they want to say. I mean, look at what, you know, our, our health care thing and all right. that other stuff. So anyway, so, so it, it, all I can say is that for anybody, politics, if you're whatever 
business or life you're in, it, it does make a difference when the individual shows up. I can tell you right now, you can have, you can have 50 paid political activists out there, and a lot of times their agenda is just driven by whoever's funding them. But the individual, when you tell your side of the story, most politicians are, are looking to try and come up with something that works on, on both sides. Yeah. So that's, that's why uh, you got to take the time when those things happen. Whether you're a local retailer and they're trying to ban smoking in your cigar store, show up. In your show state. Up. That's right. Because it's state well, level also. It's, it's city and county as well. It's not a coincidence that Florida has no tobacco tax. That's right. And it's not a coincidence that New Hampshire doesn't have a tobacco tax because I'm up at the state house end up fighting it because I unfortunately don't have every manufacturer that's operating out of here. None of them are. But again, Pennsylvania, where it has all the mail order companies and they have no tobacco tax. Why is that? Because they're showing up. Yeah. But even if you're the little, you know, one shop in the middle of Montana, show up to that city council meeting, especially if they know, you know, they know where your shop is. Oh, that's such and such on Main and Second. We don't want to put him out of business. Put so right. let's try and figure out how do we work around this. And right. that's usually what happens. And then, you know what? They're nice people. They don't want to put you out of business. Yeah. But if they don't know. Because you're sitting back watching right. it on TV, it's not going to work. If they don't hear from it, it must not matter. That's yeah. right. They think it's okay. Yeah. So you didn't say anything until yeah. it's too late. So don't let it be too late. Um, Davidoff store in Tampa. Not only Corona cigars, but if you go to Tampa, Florida, there's a unbelievable, beautiful store. That's like the one no I went other. to. Yeah. So in Tampa, what happened is that we have three stores in Orlando, and uh, we we'd always been looking at, at building stores uh, elsewhere. Um, and then Davidoff relocated from Connecticut down to uh, Pinellas Park, which is in the St. Petersburg area. And they said, listen, we, you know, we'd really like to have, uh, if you're going to have a store, we'd really like to have this flagship Davidoff retail store. So, um, you know, a lot of back and forth and thinking whether, you know, we should do this or not. And uh, we decided to do it. And uh, we, turned, we built a beautiful store. Oh, my God. With the, uh, the Corona Cigar concept is a is you know, aisles and aisles of cigars with a big cigar bar as well. It's unbelievable. Very, very open and outdoor seating and all that kind of stuff. Um, but the thing is with the Davidoff store is it has that European flair. And so I really liked the way it turned out. It turned out really nice. So and they ended up designing it based on what your stores are like and then say, let's We worked. It was a collaboration okay. all the way. And uh, so, it, you know, it's the only one that, that came out with a big bar and everything else. And so it turned out really nice. And uh, in Tampa, the, the cool thing about Tampa, uh, Tampa's a lot like Hartford, Connecticut, meaning that when you're in the city, it's called a cigar city for a reason. Um, everybody, it seems like, in some ways, shape, or form that at one time, either themselves or a family member was involved in the cigar business. Mm. And I say that, too, like in Hartford. I was, came through Hartford, Connecticut when I was here, and that's where they grow the Connecticut broadleaf. And literally, you'll have a, you know, a waitress that asks, what are you in town for? And you're like, oh, we're, I'm here for cigar tobacco. Oh, I used to work in the fields, you know, during summer. We'd get in the bus, and we'd hang broadleaf and things like that. Well, Tampa's the same way. I'll never forget. I was at a, like a bed, bath, and beyond buying a, a mirror for the bathroom, right? And this lady was like, I don't know, 80 years old. And she saw my shirt, said Corona Cigar. She goes, oh, Corona Cigar. She's ringing me up. She goes, oh. She goes, yeah, I used to be a stripper at the J.C. Newman factory. Now, a stripper means that they've stripped the vein out of the tobacco. That's yeah, a right. job, right? But it sounds funny when you say you're a stripper, right? But that was a job. that in, in, and One in, of their campaigns was save the strippers. They had right? a button, much yeah. like my I hate soccer button. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, not people, to bring that up. But the funny part is, is whenever people talk about their memories of whether, you know, when they're young or whatever, working in a cigar factory or at a farm, it's always like a, it's always like 
a, a good memory, even though the work very is Very fond, yeah. But they're very fond of that, and they hate to see that go. So this lady was funny, right? As she tells me this, she goes, yep. She bring it in. She goes, I sent a letter to the FDA about Save Cigar City. Wow. And that's what I'm talking about. This is, a, this is where it's, it's a community. When you have a community mm-hmm. that where it, it's historically, you know, there was tons of cigar factories in yeah. Tampa. And there's only one, one. one left. And so they, wow. you know, they don't want to see that go. And I, and I always use the analogy. It's like the last brewery in, in, in Milwaukee or the last, you know, automobile factory in Detroit. They don't want to see the last yeah. one closed up. It means something to them. So uh, Hartford, Connecticut, I get the same kind of sense there because I, I kept hearing people when I tell them what I'm there for, they, they always have people you would never expect to talk about growing cigar tobacco. They're somehow, some way. Connected. Yeah. So anyway, it's, it's, a, it's a fond memory. And uh, that's what I, what I love about the cigar lifestyle is that, uh, you know, it, people that, are, that enjoy cigars or people that had worked making cigars, I mean, it's always like a positive, it's a very positive vibe. And a positive memory. Yeah, absolutely. Did Let's you uh, buy any of the cigar pumps, by the way? I didn't <laughs> understand that one. You know, I heard you talk, but I still don't know what it does. Jonathan tried it, but he did it wrong. He didn't have a cigar involved. I don't know what that was all about. But let's find out what's up in the cigar industry right now with Barry Stein. It's time for What's, what's up? up in the Cigar World, brought to you by Recluse Cigars. You want to know what's up? Recluse Cigars is what's up. Voted the 2015 Cigar of the Year is... The Recluse Amadeus Reserva Habano. Every Recluse cigar goes through eight, count them, eight fermentation cycles over the course of two full years. They are box-pressed and rolled end to bar for a perfect draw every time. If you haven't done it yet, be sure to try a Recluse cigar today. And IPCPR announced following the trade show that attendance was up 3.3% in total, while being up 6.6% for retailers In total, 2,054 badges were issued, which is the second highest amount in the last five years, the highest being 2016. Senators Marco Rubio and Bill Nelson sent a letter to Dr. Scott Gottlieb, commissioner of the U.S. FDA, expressing concern that the agency has failed to consider the consequential impact of additional regulations on Florida's premium cigar industry. They went on to cite the Population Assessment of Tobacco and Health, which stated minors do not smoke cigars. And if you think the smoking bans are out of control here in the USA, in Singapore they are installing cameras being placed around the country that will detect if a person lights up day or night, and the tamper-proof camera will take a picture, record the date and time, and those convicted can be fined up to $1,000. Is that uh, U.S. money or monopoly money? <laughs> uh, the article just said $1,000, right. so it didn't signify, uh, specify. And lastly, at the time of this recording, only four days remain to get your comments in regarding the FDA regulations. You can visit SaveCigarCity.com from now until Tuesday to submit your comment today. And if you haven't done so, you must do this. It's the only way to save us and prevent Singapore from happening here. <laughs> yeah. And that's what's up. In the Cigar World. What's up? In the Cigar World was brought to you by Recluse Cigars. The Recluse Amadeus Habano Reserva uses grade-A Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, a San Andreas binder, a Dominican Lajero Seco, and Pennsylvanian Broadleaf filler tobaccos, which create a blend we call the Cigar of the Year. Recluse Cigars is What's Up? So we're just coming back from the IPCPR in Las Vegas. I found it very interesting uh, since the last time I was there. Um, there is legal prostitution. There is legal gambling. And now they've added legal marijuana everywhere. And despite that, there's lots of no smoking signs. And 
you can't smoke here and you can't go there and people have no problem even you walking walking out of the hall with an unlit cigar of coming over to you and saying you can't do it where everything else is legal including this but you know, know here's one of the things though. I, I i'm glad that they're doing this where recreational marijuana can be smoked uh, pretty much anywhere I was in San Francisco last year after the IPCPR. Yeah. Now, the time before that, when I was in San Francisco, was probably 20 years before. And I, I remember smoking a cigar where, like, the ferry boats go out to Alcatraz and stuff, and people literally would be, you know, a quarter of a mile down the road doing that fake blow and, yes. you know, waving in their nose <laughs> yeah. and all that stuff. But this time, I was smoking my cigar, sitting there, and literally there was so much smoke, weed smoke in the air. <laughs> that you couldn't tell that I was smoking a cigar. And the people that saw me smoking it were, like, giving me high fives because they thought I was smoking a big blunt. Well, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there's a positive side okay. to this. Okay. Right. That, that you, you that? might be able to. Not to mention they're too high to really give a crap. <laughs> what, it, but yeah, it beats, whatever you're doing, you're beats, doing. It beats the lady coming up to you, you know, you know, waving her finger in your face and yeah, telling you, say, you. No, no, there's marijuana in this. Yeah, shit. that's right. It's just a <laughs> big blunt. <laughs> we're all right. Oh, you're cool then, you know, whatever. So that's the flip side. Oh, my God. It's just insane that uh, it just. Just keeps getting worse it seems that people have a problem with it and uh you know it's it, i don't blow it in anybody's face i go far away from at, at taa i go on the beach i get there a day early before everybody else i pull a chair up way away from everybody else sit in the beach i got a book in my hand and i'm gonna wait from everybody and somebody is yelling at me far away i can't hear what they're saying the wind is blowing in my face the other way i get up and walk all the way over to this lady and she says you're not gonna light that are you and I said, yes, I am. <laughs> yes, I am. And I thought I, she was going to ask you, are you really going to read that? Because that, that's what I would ask you if I saw you with a book. No, it, it's, people have a big problem with it. And, uh, but what you have to do is you have to be uh, thoughtful of these other people because that's how we get a bad rap if you end up. I see people standing under signs that say no smoking and stuff and lighting their cigar and, you know, posting it and stuff. That's not good either. No. You know, don't rub it in their face. But, you know. Be a gentleman about it and stay away, and, and hopefully we get a little more life out of that. Do you uh, see anything new and exciting at the show that you guys brought on? You know, I was working at the Drew Estate booth, um, you know, preaching FSG the whole time. So uh, I, I was not able to, to walk those the aisle, the, the show floor so much. So I'm waiting to see. I, I love the fact that we have such a strong online podcast or media uh, yeah, group oh yeah, there, sure. Presence. I'm a big fan of it because I think they've got... Uh, it's I, th a, I think it was me and you that sat on the board when everybody was on the IPCPR board, when yeah, everybody was naysaying yeah. it, and we were the only ones saying, yeah. oh, this is good. It is good. The more people are talking, because they talk positive about That's it, right. they love it. That's right. It's Most press. of these guys make no money doing it. it. it exactly. It's, yeah. it's volunteer press, right? right? And it, 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 it's, you know, if you want to really know what's going on in, in the, let's call it on the streets in the cigar world, and listen to what everybody's yeah, talking about. Right. And, and what I really like about it, too, is that some people have always, you know, with regulation and FDA and all that, the big companies are, are positioned to, to be able to handle it and navigate that. When you have, a, you know, attorneys on staff or a, right. a company that owns you that has their own legal department and all that, you know, you can work your way through it. But with the, uh, with, with the cigar industry, I always say, listen, this industry, you know, people will say, oh, there's no barriers to entry. Maybe not. But let me tell you this. There's an incredible barrier to make them successful where that right. brand there's oh, I've never yeah. seen as many shakeouts that the cigar industry has all the time. Right. So the, the barrier to entry is actually the consumer. 
you can come out with as many cigars you want, but at the end of the day, if it doesn't sell, you're, gonna, you're not going to make it, right? right? And you and I have probably seen thousands of brands come and go, right? Yeah. Well, especially so, now, you, you need to, and John was saying it earlier in the show, you, you really need to come out swinging because at best, everything is good. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And they, they do get their cigars made by good, good manufacturers and all. But where I'm getting at is that at the same time, the, the press, the, let's call it the internet press, allows the good manufacturers of new brands. It gives them a way to, to get a voice out there and get a following without having to have a million dollars to write a check for marketing, right? So sometimes you have brands that in, in stories that are, there's a lot of made up stories in this industry, right? Where they talk about this, that, and the other, and half of it's not true. But with social, kind there. Well, with social <laughs> media, I call the social medias in, in Facebook Live, that's the truth serum. Yeah. And I love it. That's why we do so many videos on our farm and stuff where we show, you know, here we're harvesting tobacco day or, or putting sucker side or, or topping tobacco because, you know, in the past, someone could fake a farm. Yes. You know, I mean, how many times have we seen? I mean, fake oh, factories right. and fake farms. I All they a, did was... I got my farm. It's a small yeah, exactly. thing. You know what you got? You got a sign in front of someone else's farm. Right. That's, that, and that's the way it was. Today. Because yeah. we're here. Because we're in town. <laughs> right. So, so, you know, yeah, yeah, they change them out depending yeah. on who's, who's showing right. up, right? So, uh, at least with, with the internet and the, and the, let's call it the internet-based press, you know, they do... These guys figure it out. They figure out who's doing what, and they know who's legit. And, and so, you know, and it's hard to get a brand to succeed. But I'm seeing it. You've seen it. We've got, you know, I can name five brands in the last five years that have taken hold that are startups. Yeah. You know, whether it's Steve Soccer or Southern Draw or Nicholas Molino or, you know, there's a lot of these guys. That, but, but the road that they took is a long road. They've been working on this well, for, for years, years, right? years and years. But if we didn't have that, let's call it a free press, um, you know, who would have... If well, look at how long it took guys like Rocky Patel and Nick Perdomo to really get their foothold in the industry. They had to do it the old school, hard way, on the road. Yes. Yeah. 4,000 shops a year. I mean, just killing it. Right. And now you got, you got, like you said, you've got the free press and you can get the word out a little quicker. But one of the things that I always saw frustrating in this business is, let's use Nick Perdomo as an example. Nick and I have been friends, and Dave been friends with him forever. I remember when Nick started out, right? When, yeah. he, when he moved to his big factory. And I was always impressed with Nick that... You know, he's like showing off his, he had his old box factory off the side of the road, which was, was really rudimentary, right? Mm -hmm. Then he had his new one with all his equipment and everything else. And then he, you know, hey, we make the cellophane and then on his farms. You know, he's a le legitimate, vertically integrated cigar maker, right? Right. But unless you've been there to see all that, you, you wouldn't necessarily know, right. right? But then you could have somebody come in with a box of bands and labels and ads that would fake everybody out. They did, yeah. Right. And I'm like, this, you know, you're trying to tell people, yeah, he, you know, this guy's a cigar maker. No, and years of, years of generations, which yeah, was, weren't even exactly. true either. The right. stories were bad. Right. right. And so. And they lack so, authenticity. Yeah. That's what, that is exactly what is being driven by the internet community of guys that write blogs and videos and everything else, is that the authenticity factor is starting to bubble up. Yeah. Keep it real. That, keeping and, it real. And so I love it. Okay, right now it's time for the Don Raphael Offer of the Day, brought to you by Don Raphael Cigars. Everyone has a price. Would you do this? And if so, how much? For how much? I am leaving here today. I got a wedding to go to, a black tie wedding. And came to mind of, you know when they say to you, um, does anybody object to this wedding? <laughs> $5,000 to be the one to speak out at the wedding. 
and object to it. And right after, you can say, I was just kidding, but you got to come while the wedding's going on, and you got to be the one that go out and object to the wedding while it's going on, basically ruin the event, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but $5,000, would you $5, do $5,000? I'd do that for free. Yeah. <laughs> I've just done a dare. I think I've done it. I, I guess that I've been a part of that being done. I'm driving in lower Manhattan. There's a big wedding hall in Chinatown. The whole wedding party's outside doing photographs. My associate starts yelling out the window. You're making the biggest mistake of your life. <laughs> you're over. You're dying. You're making a huge mistake. Just walk away now. But as a drive Save yourself a million dollars down the road. And the look on the bride's face was pure mortification. And you would do it? I would do it again. Ed Sullivan, you would never, right? No, I'll pass. You're a gentleman. And I don't even have to ask Jeff. He wouldn't do that. And they, it's, there's enough pressure getting married as it is, man. These guys are probably right, faint right, right then and there. I've never been to anything that somebody's done it. Each time they do it, you know, everybody starts looking their eyes around if somebody's <laughs> going to say it. Usually they, they're looking for me. They got right. Jonathan here? Doesn't like 40% of marriages now end in divorce? More than 50, I think. So we, might, we could have saved that guy a ton of money if yeah. he walked away. How, maybe it worked out. You don't know. You don't know. Um, all right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, um, cigar dinners, high temperatures. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, different things that happen at the IPCPR. We're going to take a peek into the asylum and more. Stick around. We'll be back for one more little segment coming up on the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. Let's talk a little about Rough Rider Cigars. So here is where the motorcycle culture meets Cigar Nation. This badass looking cigar uses the name Rough, but delivers a smooth as silk ride each and every time. Even before lighting one, you can't help but notice it's sweet like honey flavor. Smooth and creamy, resembling slightly sweetened butter. Outstanding! The Rough Rider Cigar is so beautiful in so many ways. We're talking a premium cigar, imported, long filler cigar, but wait till you hear the price. Every cigar is in the $3 price range, that's right. Even the Churchill in the 6x60, every cigar is in the $3 price range. Rough Rider Cigars, there's nothing rough about Rough Rider except the name. Rough Rider Cigars. The following message is brought to you by Drew Estate. Drew Estate, the rebirth of cigars in the new Drew Diplomat app. Join me, Barry Stein, from the Cigar Authority on Drew Diplomat. As you know, I am quite partial to Liga Pavada number 9 from Drew Estate. So join me for a Liga and share your experience with Drew Estate. And while you're at it, don't forget to check into Two Guys Smoke Shop on the Drew Diplomat app. Drew Diplomat is now available for the iPhone and Android. To learn more about Drew Diplomat, visit DrewDiplomat.com. That's DrewDiplomat.com. You must be at least 21 years of age or older and a resident of the United States, including D.C. To be eligible for membership in this program, other terms and conditions apply. Surgeon General warning, cigars are not a safe alternative to cigarettes. Since 1903, when La Aurora Cigars first opened their doors as the first cigar factory of the Dominican Republic, they have defined Dominican cigar manufacturing. Now, La Aurora continues that innovation with La Aurora Dominican DNA, featuring an exceptional blend whose soul is the Andullo. La Aurora pays tribute to the oldest Dominican tobacco process with a cigar that features tobacco that is part of their heritage and their DNA. 
the Laurora DNA features this hard-to-work tobacco that brings the unique characteristics of strength, inspiring aroma, and sweetness that creates an exceptional smoking experience that only La Aurora can bring you. Experience La Aurora Dominican DNA with its Cibao Valley Dominican wrapper, an authentic Cameron binder from Africa with fillers from the Dominican Republic, Pennsylvania, Nicaragua, and Anduyo. Available at top retailers like twoguyscigars.com and is distributed in the United States by Miami Cigar and Company. It's time to light that cigar and stay tuned. Ooh. The Cigar Authority will be right back on the United Podcast Network. Jose Dominguez, Jose Dominguez, Jose, Jose, Jose Dominguez. What the hell are you doing? I'm writing a commercial for Jose Dominguez. Well, what you should be doing is talking about how good they are. That Jose Dominguez makes millions of cigars for other people, but saves the best tobaccos and the best blend for his namesake, Jose Dominguez. Not singing a song, if that's what you think you're doing. What I am doing is creating what is known as a donut. Hey, nobody's going to take away your donuts. No, a donut in a commercial is when it starts with a jingle and then the information comes in and then ends with the song again. The information is the filling of the donut. Why does everything you talk about have to center around food and usually donuts? I don't know. Listen, Jose Dominguez cigars come in four great sizes and two wrappers. The mild, buttery, smooth, natural, and the slightly bolder Maduro. And every cigar is about $5. You know as well as I do, Dave, Jose Dominguez is no $5 cigar. It's worth so much more, it's a sensational value. Okay, here's the end of the donut. You ready? Jose Dominguez. Jose Dominguez. Legendary brand opens a new chapter in its storied history with the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. The nearly 175-year-old H. Upman brand in collaboration with storied cigar maker A.J. Fernandez bring a medium to full-bodied, sweetly balanced, and yet complex smoking experience. Boasting an Ecuador Sumatra wrapper, this cigar produces incredible aromas and nuances of sweet spices. Today, almost 175 years later, the legacy of H. Upman lives on a brand new take on an age-old brand. Handcrafted in Esteli, Nicaragua by Cigar Master A.J. Fernandez. Available in four sizes, priced under $9. A legendary brand opens a new chapter in its storied history with the H. Upman by A.J. Fernandez. Hi, this is Brian Charles, living in Bangkok, Thailand, Mr. Jonathan's favorite city. And you're listening to The Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And we are back, broadcasting live we're with uh, Florida sun-grown producer, um, retailer extraordinaire from Corona Cigars in Florida, Jeff <coughs> Borshowitz. Welcome back, everybody. We're smoking the Florida sun-grown, uh, burning perfect. Really good. I got to say this reminds me of warm apple pie coming right out of the oven. It's not hot. It's warm. Yeah. You got a little bit of the doughy component, but you've got the warm spices. A little cinnamon. A little, yeah, cinnamon. A little bit of the sweetness coming off the apples. Very good. 
You know, it's inter- interesting you say that because for a lot of time, long time, people are like, how do you describe the tobacco? And I, and I don't have that palette that pulls out 500 flavors and yeah. all that other stuff, right? But there was another fellow on the internet that said, he goes, he had been smoking for about a year. He goes, I finally got it. He goes, for me, the flavor that I pick up in, in Florida sun-grown tobacco, because we have several different cigars that use it. He goes, it's like a root beer barrel candy. The thing that you used to oh, have as a yeah. kid. Oh, yeah. And I was like, that to me, I was like, yeah. that's the flavor that I get. So anyway, it was interesting. Yeah, that interesting. reminds me of a root beer dum-dum. <laughs> right? <laughs> that could be just your breath blowing back <laughs> in your face. <laughs> <Could be that. laughs> so uh, what do you think overall IPCPR? I thought the show looked fantastic. And uh, perhaps for me, the best moment of the entire show was uh, the opening uh, speech by Marcus Luttrell. Yeah. Um, I had seen the movie Lone Survivor, and Marcus Luttrell is the, the gentleman that the story was based on. And I remember seeing that, that movie and, and all the, you know, the falling down the mountain and all this guy getting shot and beat up and everything else. And I was like, man, I wonder if they embellished a little bit. Because, you know, how right. can a guy live through this, right? Usually political. Well, not political, but you know what I meant. When this guy gave his story... It was he was reliving it, vision in his mind, and telling us all about it. And literally, the movie was half of what really happened to this guy. Yeah, right. So that was the biggest moving part. I love the opening, the opening uh, 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 presentations. You know, when Rudy Giuliani did it yeah. last year. Oh yeah. To me, that's a big treat when we have these these uh, great public speakers. But just hearing that Marcus Luttrell story and and what it took to become a Navy SEAL and his whole you know the whole. History of it, so that was, believe it or not, the highlight of, of, of the show for me. Well, it's it's, it's all uplifting that all of us think that we're working hard, and then you hear somebody like that. And yeah. Now go to work, you whip. <laughs> yeah. You know. Right. Look at what this go guy sell, went through. Go smoke a cigar all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which do you like better? Do you like being on the uh, selling side of the trade show, or do you like being on the buying side of the trade show? I, I like them both because I like to see the you know the, what's coming out in the industry, and I and I really think that. The cigar business is—it's a small business, and and yet the amount of uh, uh, the quality of those booths that guys do yeah. for their setups. Because I mean, I've been to big shows, the PGA shows. You know, I'm from Orlando, and it's the second largest city for trade shows after Las Vegas. So you see, see the production that goes into the IPCPR. I'm telling you, it's it's really it's it's top class because a lot of places when they do these shows, it's, you know, they're ten by ten booths with a table and a tablecloth right. and a little sign. And for the amount of revenue that a lot of these companies do, they put a, a, an extremely large amount of resources into their into the showcasing of their products. So the show overall was fantastic, and uh, uh, you know I think the IPCPR has done a tremendous job of where that organization. Dave and I served on the board uh, together, and where that organization uh, uh, was 15 years ago, sure. and where it is today, it's phenomenal. Yep, and despite everything that happened in between, which was, uh, oh, my God, the, the sky's falling down. And I'm sure they've had it over the years that they've had this sky falling down sure. moments also. But uh, getting through them and persevering and just keep going. What was it like serving on the board with Dave? Is I loved it as horrific <laughs> as the rest of us would imagine? No, no, no. Let me explain. Let me, uh, this is the way I see it. There's a saying that I use. There's ducks fly with ducks and eagles fly with eagles. I consider Dave an eagle. And I he considers it. you an eagle, by the way. That's, yeah. that's because we're, we're both good at what we do. And when you have a bunch of guys together that are good at what they do and understand and, 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 and have a, 
you know, you can look at problems and you, and, and you have the best minds working on it. So, so that's why I really, I, I enjoyed having Dave on, the, on there. Whereas sometimes, you know, historically this industry has had a few guys that, you know, I just got done telling you about a shop I went into. The guy was sitting outside smoking a cigar. The store was dirty. The place, you know, I tried to find on Yelp. It wasn't even listed. And then they wonder why they don't do any business. Well, the reason you're not doing any business is because you're not running your business. Right. You know what I'm saying? You just, yeah, you just showed up. That's all. All right. Now, imagine that guy being on the board of directors for a trade association that, that has some very important issues in front of it, especially with the issues that we have with, with federal legislation. We're dealing with some very, this is high-level stuff. Right. So imagine, you know, we're, we're meeting with Nancy Pelosi or, 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 you know, John Boehner and stuff like that. I want the best guys there. And that's Are you what, off the board now? I'm off the board now. But the way I look at it is we, we, it was a list, there were a lot of battles fought during oh, yeah. the three-year term because that's when the organization was changing and was going from being run sort of hands-off. Yeah. And, and, and not only was it being run hands-off, but then, you know, you can have guys that are making decisions what's best for an executive director, not necessarily best for its members. Now the organization is being run where it's best for its <coughs> members. So it's, it's in good hands. So I'm not a fashion guy at all, but what's with that ring? What? It's my wedding ring. <laughs> That's a serious <laughs> rock there. My wife got that for wow. me. She's got good taste. Oh I'm, my I'm not God. a fashion guy at all, so I usually wear the same getup every day. Really? That's right? a it's serious, easy to, easy serious to ring. I, I don't know anyone else like that. <laughs> <laughs> no. Listen, there's a saying about that one, too. You know, a lot of the most successful guys wear the same thing every day. You know why? Because they don't waste time in the morning figuring out what you're going to dress into. Yeah, if you if come you by, boy, you come by it tomorrow. All wrong. Yeah, you come by tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. This is what it's going to look like, <laughs> like it or not. And I know you don't like it, but <laughs> right now, let's take a peek into the asylum from our friends at Asylum Cigars. They're coming to take me away, haha! They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha! To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away. It's time for news from the Insane Asylum. Odd and sometimes historic news stories that are too insane to be true, or are they? Brought to you by Asylum Cigars, take no prisoners. Asylum Cigars are truly flavorful, medium-bodied Nicaraguan cigars, with sizes ranging from 4x44 to the absolutely insane 8x80 Asylum Cigars. We've all scratched our heads at some of the things millennials do, but a recent report shared some of the things they write on their college essays. John Hopkins asked, what would you do with $100? And a person put in their essay, they would make the homeless fight for it. Another college saw a woman sent one of her shoes with her application along with a note saying she now had one foot in the door. And lastly, a prospective student wrote that he was qualified for law school since he was the subject of multiple lawsuits. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our future, and that's not only insane, it's asylum. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, haha. To the funny farm where life is beautiful all the time, and I'll be happy to see those nice young men in their clean white coats, and they're coming to take me away. Ha-ha. So, Jeff, you have uh, you have two young sons. Do you envision them to be in this industry? I would love them to be in the industry, but uh, I grew up in a family business. My father had, an, had a gas station when I was a kid, and then later we had an automotive service center. And I, I believe that everybody's destiny is, that there, you know, there's, there's a hand of God in, in what you do. You just don't realize what's happening. And then every, you know, door that you see closed is, usually happens for I just think everything happens for a reason, right? So my kids, whether they uh, 
are in the cigar industry or not, either if they're in it, it's because they belong in it, and if they don't, it's because they weren't, you know, that that wasn't their path. But I, but I will say this as a father, um, I run Corona Cigar as a a place that um, sometimes cigar stores can have a negative connotation, and, and we have a bar. Listen, we're selling liquor, but we're selling good liquor. Um, I like Corona Cigar to be a place where if a if a, a you know a, a teenage daughter drives past Corona Cigar uh, with her mother. That if her dad's smoking outside, they're not going to be embarrassed about it. They yeah. know that it's a good place. So, hey, and wave at that as they go by because it needs to be a good place. You know, I, I say all the time is that um, we don't have a whole lot of places anymore where people gather and, and, and just talk to each other and, and socialize in a positive Real way. Real social media, yeah. you know. It, it, correct. It, it, it's the only place left. And, and that's what cigar stores are about. It's yeah. a place where guys can go. Um, from all different walks of life. We have an incredibly diverse customer base in Orlando, and I love that. And we have a very diverse workforce, too. And I, and I, and I really like that because it's, it's, it, you know, it breaks barriers and it also breaks stereotypes. And so you know, we can have conversations without having to throw, you know, well, you're this or you know, all kinds of names that people call each other. And so that's why uh, you know, I really like the cigar lifestyle. And, and you know, they, they said in the old days you'd have a barbershop where guys would sit around talking right. and stuff. And, you know, the, the cigar store is sort of like that modern-day bar- barbershop. And I, and I believe that cigar stores and the customers and things like that that are hanging out smoking cigars, that's a vital part of the community. One of our stores in downtown Orlando is literally right across from City Hall. So we can have people that are on different sides of the aisle of different issues. But you know what? They can go to Corona Cigar and have a cigar and talk about it. Instead of having to be where, you know, where everybody's mad at each other, we can have different opinions. Yeah. But we can still smoke a cigar and talk about it, right? And still be friends and still have different opinions. So that's what, uh, that's what, 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 you know, what we try to do. And do I want my son to be able to grow up in that? Absolutely. I want them to be able to have that type of thing because right now, we're raising a generation of kids where it's name calling, and if you're yeah. this, if you're if you're into this, and, you, and I don't like it, well, we can't be friends. That's not the way it was. That's not the way it's supposed to. be. That's where Facebook has ruined things for for us because you unfriend someone when the reality is you would never have said what you said in type to someone's face, and that's, that's the true. beauty of a cigar shop is we may be on differing sides of an issue, but we're face to face right now. That's right. Things aren't going to get that heated. We're going to be civil. And a lot of times people form these opinions just because they don't know. One of the good things about the cigar industry is that when, you know, when I got in it, we started going to Nicaragua when, when right after you know, things settled down and, and the country was, was reviving itself. And you get to experience different cultures and people from all different walks of life. And you learn a lot from yeah. that. And you learn about what makes people tick. And it's the same. You know, I don't care where you come from. At the end of the day, you want your child to grow up in a safe environment. And, you know, it, it, I always say this, if you're, whether you're living in the ghetto or if you're living in Beverly Hills, you don't want your car broken into anymore than no. anybody else, right? Correct. So people misunderstand that, that if you have, no one wants crime in their neighborhood. Yeah. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that if you don't, you know, if you don't know how to talk about it, it's like, oh, you're, you know, you, you just, you know, people just are too quick to, to, to throw names out there without hearing both sides of the story. Mm. And so that's what I love about the cigar shop. And, and, and one of the reasons, I, Orlando's a great city, but it's a very diverse city. And what's ironic about it is when I go to certain cities that are run mostly by, you know, where it's like a very big Democratic base. I grew up, I was born in Chicago. I went back there last year for the first time, and I told my kids, I said, I can't believe this city. It's the most segregated city I've ever seen. Yeah. No wonder why everybody's trying to go after each right. other's throats. I'm like, you know, it's like, here, here's your line where you get to go, and here's your line where you get to yeah. go. Orlando's not like that. 
you know, and we're in the South or whatever you want to call it. And when you go to Atlanta, it's not like that either. Right. So it's really weird how you go to these places that like to call names that other people, you know, it's like, listen. And, and they're the segregated ones. And that's the, why exactly. And that's where all the problems are. Correct. <laughs> and one of the beauty about having a farm, with Corona Cigar, we get, we're dealing with some, some of our customers are extremely wealthy. And we have, and, and we have uh, uh, you know, a very diverse base there. But on the flip side, when I go to the farm too, we're also in a very rural community. So we get to see both ends of the spectrum of, 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 you know, city life right here and out in the country. And, it, and it's, it's great to hear and, and talk to people from all walks of life. And I really enjoy that. that to me, that, 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 that means a lot. And, and people, again, people are people. That's the thing. They, they, they work off of the same emotions. They have the same wants and needs for their family and their children. And, uh, you know, a lot of times we forget that. And, and a lot of times it's used in the wrong way. Yeah. Meaning it's used in the wrong way to push a political agenda. And it's like, man, you guys are just, you know, using, using cards here to try and divide mm. instead of looking at what the real uh, issue it's is. Never, it's yeah. never been worse. Yeah. Yep. So yep. anyway. Can people come down to Florida and see your farms? Only once a year. And the reason why, I'd love to have the farm open all the time, but it's a working farm. Yeah. And, and like right now, we're harvesting tobacco. And tobacco, um, it's, it's a fast-growing plant. And there's a lot of work that has to be done. And if you get behind, you can get in trouble. When I say you can get in trouble, I mean that plant doesn't say, hey, I'm going to take the day off because you guys weren't here. It's still growing, right? Yeah. So you, there's certain, you know, when you're topping and suckering and harvesting leaves, there's a lot of moving components. So w- during the active harvest time, we don't, we're not open to tours because everybody's working. But we do the one annual barn smoker where we, you know, bring in the tent with Drew Estate and we go through the whole process from seed to, you know, growing the tobacco and showing them what we do, how we cure it and everything else. Willie Herrera takes it from there, talks about how they blend the tobacco. Jonathan always gives a great speech about Drew Estate. And, and you know, just he's got a great, uh, you know, his personality is fantastic. Sure, yeah, bigger consumers. than life. So when we do the barn smokers, the big one, and we have about 500 people that come out to that. So it's a big event where we're putting up, you know, there's a lot of work involved with tents and sure. vendors and all that kind of stuff. So we open a farm up once a year. Now, I'd, I'll do sometimes a few groups that will come through that I'll, that I'll personally walk through there. But... I wish we could be open for tours, but we really, it's just, there's too much work that has to be done. We're, well, the we're, flip side of that is they can visit any of your Corona stores. Yeah, they can have, but, but that doesn't give them the farm <laughs> experience. And one of the best things about the farm experience, especially where we are, uh, is to realize how hard the work is. Right. It's hot. It's really hot. And, and I think we have probably the harshest climate to have to work in because when we're harvesting tobacco, it's typically in June and, and, and in July. In July, in the summertime, people complain of how they stand in line at Disney. Right. Once you got in the field, and let's go pick some tobacco. And have, you, have you done it all? I've done it all. I had to learn it all because right. everybody that grew tobacco in Florida that knew how to do it is they're, they're dead because yeah. it's a generation that passed on. There was a there was a you know the last crop was grown in 1977, so I've got a generational gap that, yeah. that in our area. However. Um, I have a, a, an agricultural background just because of, of high schools and the future farmers of America, and I always loved farming. I have a passion for it. So um, that plus, it's really weird how things happen, I mean, like Forrest Gump and Destiny, whatever. But, you know, I was a certified automotive technician when I was in, going through college, so I know how to fix things. And that's one of the things, besides having an agriculture background, you have to know how to fix things on a farm because when your tobacco planter doesn't work, there's not a, a place you call up, hey, you fix tobacco planters? No. Right. Yeah. Or, or when you're, the, the machines that we sow our tobacco on, I bought those from Connecticut, and these machines were made in 1950. Mm. And there still is a guy that sells the parts. 
It was amazing. It was funny stories. I called them up uh, two months ago for, for some parts for the machines. And listen, no one's buying parts for these machines because no one grows that kinetic right. shade anymore. And it was on his birthday. I made his birthday because I bought $1,000 worth of parts from this guy. <laughs> he was so happy. He's like 80-something years old, right? So there are still people there. But once he dies, you know, that, uh, you know, I'll have to just scrap parts from old stuff. But listen, here's the way I look at it. In Cuba, they've got cars running from 1950, right? right? You, you know figure it. it out. You just got it. So having that mechanical background allowed me to be able to do the farm. Because honestly, if I didn't have that side of it, I probably wouldn't be able to do the farm because there's too much you got to know how to, about how to fix and figure out. There's no other farm to go down the street and go ask them. Right. Hey, you know, hey, such and such. You know, so most of the times in agriculture, it's a farming community, and that's that way for a reason because neighbors helping neighbors. You know, this guy's got a piece of equipment you don't have, you borrow his. And then also when they went to sell their products, they had to have a market for it, right? So if you're in a cow town, you're going to have a cattle auction that's there. If you're trying to sell beef cattle and there's no auction, what are you going to do, mm. right? So that's why, you know, cotton is in one area, corn's over here, and, and, and there's a reason for that so that they can sell their products. So we're, I always say that we're on an island, if you will, meaning that we're the only guy. And people ask, like, we had a mishap this year. We actually accidentally killed our entire crop by making a mistake. Human oh error. God. We sprayed herbicide on, on plants when they're 30 days old. They're this size. We killed it all. So we had to replant everything. But uh, like if you're growing tobacco in Connecticut, you have crop, you can buy crop insurance. That's because there's other farmers growing it and there's a risk pool. Well, the pool in Florida is me. I'm the only right. guy in it. So, you know, we have to, we have to take those risks. And, Self-insured. And but, but, you know, listen, at the end of the day with anything in life, you can make it happen if you put your mind to it. And it's not always best financially, but you can get it done. Trust me, you'll oh, figure yeah. it out because other people figure out, you know, like I said, somebody, we're all people. So if a guy in Cuba can figure out how to make a 1955 Chevy run in 2018, right. I can figure it out. All so. right. So what's the next step for Jeff Borshowitz? More stores? You'll grow a, not just another farm or maybe you'll make cigars itself? The shade version? No. Dun, dun, dun. Nah, the shade is, that would... The, when you sh when you grow shade tobacco, you got to invest. You got to put a bunch of poles up and wires and cheesecloth. So we're not going to do you that. You want the thirty-two dollars for the materials, yeah, right? right so, <laughs> so we're the farm is intentionally. We don't plan to make the farm any bigger either because we don't make any money at it. Right. So all it does is create more work. So there's so we you know we grow about five to six thousand pounds of tobacco a year, and we're going to keep it at that. Um, retail is where we'd like to continue to grow, but you you know the challenges. Uh, you, you have to be very patient, and, I, and I'll, if anybody retail, retailers are watching, you have to be very patient in your site selection. Don't make a mistake and build a store where you shouldn't have, because that's where we run into problems. Right. And in this industry, that takes a while for that opportunity to open. So like the Tampa store. I'd watched the Tampa for eight years before I secured that location, and that location was not easy to secure. Most landlords don't like the the prospect of we're gonna have a cigar shop with with alcohol and tobacco right. and smoking most of them are saying no way right so you got to find the right location then you got to find the, the landlord that wants your concept so there's a lot of and then you got to make sure that the city council doesn't have some kind of rule where you're not yeah. allowed to do it. it took me 10 years to do our nashua store 10 years see, that's what i'm saying people don't realize that the, the amount of things it's a puzzle and everything's got to fall in place yeah. and work so you know that that's always something we're we're looking for but it takes time. And a lot of people try to force it. This is one of the things, you know, you talk about consolidation a lot in this industry yeah. and how the big companies are wanting to build stores and everything else. 
they're learning real quick it's not that easy yeah, absolutely and the reason they think it's easy is because they walk into a place like two guys smoke shop or they walk into a corona cigar we make it look easy because we know what we're doing yeah but we didn't trust me we made a lot of mistakes learning how to do this right and you just don't walk in hey i'm gonna build a store and do this then all of a sudden they realize hey it ain't that easy let me tell you i could people say write a book on your success and i said i could write the book on the failures because there's so many more of those and that's the way it is. Yeah, and, and they don't realize that. So I learn from them. So that's we're right. so that's why the consolidation of the industry and, and all the stores they're wanting to do, I, I'm not that worried about it. I mean, yeah, they got deeper pockets than us, but I don't think they can necessarily do better. Yeah, right. Because most of those guys are, you know, a lot, especially the big companies, you know, they're publicly traded. They're looking at quarterly statements and annual statements. Yeah, how many times can they keep putting a dollar in and then having to put another dollar in yeah. and then another dollar and nothing's coming out? And, and so that's why, I'm, whereas, you know, we can make this, like, look what you did here. You know, with this studio, you'll yeah. see different opportunities that other people won't. Yeah. And you're willing to take those risks that other, you know, especially the the, the the bigger ones, they're not willing to take those risks yeah. because somebody's worried about trying to defend it. I only have to defend my bad decisions to me and Tanya. Right. You know what I'm saying? So, you, you know, you don't, we can do things and take chances. No one would have ever done a farm in Florida. Right. Why on earth would you do that? They're going to say, you're going to lose money. I, I know, but we're, you know, whatever. And we're going to make this another reason for it. Exactly. Yeah, right. Jeff Borjewitz, honor to have you here. Awesome. So great to finally get you here. And, I'm, uh, I'm so glad to visit because, you know, I've been wanting to come by here for years. I remember when you opened this place. Yeah. I always look at the pictures, and I said, man, I love it. And, and listen, Dave is the king at doing these events. And, you know, I would, the, the gasoline truck full of tanker yeah. that you gave away. I mean, this, these are the things we're talking about. The other guys won't think of that. Or, you know, they, they, they're like, I was so you? nervous that you were gonna, your tongue was just going to freeze up and that you weren't going <laughs> to have anything to say. No, you don't know this guy well. Now you do. Now you do. Thank you so much for being on Appreciate the show. Appreciate it. That's it for us. Uh, we're over time right now. Uh, next week, we'll be smoking a cigar from the care package. You probably, if you're in the care package, you're probably scratching your head and said, what's this all about? We'll explain that. It's a surprise next week. You've been listening to the Cigar Authority on the United Podcast Network. And uh, this time, you probably learned more than what you bargained for in the last two hours. But always remember, keep the lid end out of your mouth. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates.